I drink slow to see the nose She never likes to get blown Has she got enough money to spend? What's going on? Welcome to the All-American Chelsea Podcast. I am the captain, the leader, the legend of all things you see. All-American Chelsea, what's going on, boys and girls? It's your boy, Christian, coming back again to you live from beautiful Miami, Florida in the good old US of A. What's going on boys and girls? How are ya? I've known for a few weeks, few weeks that I needed to start off this episode of the podcast with this song, Travis Scott, Big Sean, play no games. It's my motto for 2019, people. It's how I feel about this year, how I feel about my mode, my, my mindset, my my energy for the podcast. I'm not playing any games in 2019. I got a lot of things going on at the background. A lot of things. I'm leveling up. I'm moving on to a new level. I'm evolving. I'm changing. I feel like I feel like sell right now. I feel like freezer right now. I'm not in my final form. I feel energized right now. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm not playing any games in 2019. This is the first, first, first of three episodes of the All-American Chelsea podcast where we're going to get transfer information on this episode. um, I got the homie, the man, the Don, the people's champ, throw whatever adjectives you want on him, but make sure you put respect on the man's name. It's Joe Tweedy. Um... And I got him on on the podcast to give us all the inside information on what's going on within the club right now in this transfer season. My favorite, favorite, favorite. I, I love transfer season. I, I literally love transfer season. The reason why is it's it's so much fun. Like the optimism, the heartbreak, like the, the, the possibilities, like to, to, to fantasize, like, oh my God, we can get this guy, we can get that guy in the reports. Like literally my favorite, favorite, favorite was when Messi, I'll never forget it. The 24 hours when Messi liked Chelsea, Lionel Messi liked Chelsea on Instagram and he started following, I think it was Cesc Fabregas. Oh my God. Oh my God. I I felt like the internet was going to break in half and it was literally everybody, everybody just, oh my God. Oh my God. Could it be? Could it be? I was getting phone calls from friends that they, 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 they had heard the news. I was asking me because they were, I was, you know, a Chelsea supporter that they knew What do you know? What do you know? Have you heard? Is it possible? Can you imagine? And for those 24 hours, people, it was my favorite. It was my favorite. Favorite. Favorite because like I think it was like the very next day or later on that week, he had signed a contract extension with Barcelona that that killed that fantasy and killed that dream. But for those 24 hours, the, 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 
letting your imagination go crazy with the possibilities is why I love silly season is why I love transfer season. It's my favorite. It's my favorite, especially January, because it's like the whole summer gets compressed into four weeks. So it's even like it's even more like a uh, hectic and frantic. I love it. I personally love it, even with all the heartbreak, even with, oh, we're linked with this player, with that player, with that. I love it. I'm sorry. I love it. So I got Joe on the podcast. If you guys don't know who Joe is, Joe Tweedy is a is a supporter, is a Chelsea supporter, just like you or I. Now, where Joe differs is over the years, Joe started off in message boards and forums, Chelsea forums, and just as a fan wanted to gain more of not more knowledge of the game and what the ins and outs of uh chelsea football club and he started writing articles and posts about his observation he started writing posts within these forums about his observation and his thoughts on football and then people started commenting and really enjoying his work so that transferred into articles and over the years and years and years he has developed relationships with actual football professionals with industry insiders agents uh employees within the club um actually actual players themselves uh their most epic um i think it was like the most epic uh moment of of like flexing of stunting on everybody was joe had set up an interview for nini with nathaniel chalaba on nini fc again if you guys don't know who nini fc is i 100 percent understand but i encourage you to go out and search on youtube blue lion tv and you'll find a man by the name of nini fc there giving his thoughts and opinions on chelsea football club and the dude will be on the podcast this week he's the second transfer rumor show uh guest but nini gives all his thoughts and opinions thoughtful insight on the uh, chelsea football club and it it, 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 it it was joe who set that up on the biggest stunt ever he interviewed nathaniel chalaba on nini's uh nini's youtube channel so check that out but this is who joe tweedy is he's just a supporter like you or i that over the years has developed relationships within the club and he's able to bring us inside information some of the information uh that he can share publicly some of the information he cannot share publicly um uh, some information that he has um that i asked him please do not share on this podcast because i to answer that question, why don't I want to have breaking news on this podcast like that, like secret information? I, I Whether it's right or wrong, I'm not debating that, but it's this is my perspective. If I start getting secret inside information that I can't share with you guys, then that puts a step or a barrier between me and my listeners. And I don't want ever I don't want to ever want to be in a position where I feel like I am on a different plane or a different level than my listeners. I am the same. I am your voice. 
I my podcast is our podcast. We are family. So no matter where I go, again, this is a little bit of a hint and inside of what plans are in the works. No matter where I go or what I do with this podcast or with the All American Chelsea uh, brand, um, know that I am there to support as a supporter to represent the club so um that's uh that's why i don't want necessarily inside that's my line of thinking for why i don't want um secret information that joe has that others have i don't want it i i don't want i like to know that there is information and i straight up asked joe uh, in the beginning of the podcast, do you have secret information? I interrogate him. I put the flashlight in his face. Do you have information? And he said, yes. Then I told him, do not share it. <laughs> Whether or not he was going to share it, that's, you know, you'll hear it. But uh, you'll hear it in the podcast. I'm not going to, enough with the spoilers. So this episode of the podcast, and I'm going to be doing it with Nini and Simon Phillips, I put out a video and Guys, I had, I was scared. I was terrified that I was going to put out the video and I was going to get crickets. Not a damn question was going to be sent in for Joe. I was sweating. I, I legit was shitting bricks. And my supporters, the people that follow me on Twitter, and if you guys are not following me on Twitter, it's All American CFC. Um, please follow me on Twitter. If if you choose to, if you don't, that's Okay. But you guys came in um, strong and you sent in 21 questions for Joe. All questions were asked with the exception of one. Um, and it had nothing to do with I well, that I couldn't ask the question. It was straight up. I forgot. Um, so the question was by Jobity at Jobity. Um, and it was about Joe's article that uh, that he was going to write about wasted youth and I didn't ask him on air. So I definitely got the answer, but I didn't ask him on air. Um, he gave me the answer and I'm uncomfortable because I didn't ask him permission to re- to to like, hey, well, what can I say about this? I didn't ask him permission if I could tell you guys. So even though I forgot and it was off air, I did ask him. Um, but there is an answer for it to my man Jobity. But I, I apologize. I didn't ask him um, if you want to reach out to Joe and get your answer to your question. Go right ahead. But I'm uncomfortable releasing that because I didn't ask him. I, I don't want to, you know, again, I don't want to overstep my bounds. I don't want to say things that I'm not supposed to say. So um, that's the only question that I didn't ask him. But I asked him all 21 questions and they range from what's going on at the club internally, the loan army uh transfers what's going on with our striker situation column hudson adoy the academy hazard and uh clarification on what uh, what our homegrown situation is so all of those questions were answered if you didn't send in a question and you have uh, and you, you had a question that you wanted to ask i'm sure if it if it's within those different uh the right i'm not using the right word but different uh categories 
I know I asked it. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that we covered and we clarified and we enlightened um, any questions that many anybody might have had or Joe did. I, I didn't do shit other than ask questions and, you know, the, the questions that you guys sent in and the questions that I had myself. So I'm pretty sure I got it all. Um, but that's the good thing. If I didn't get any, if I missed something, uh, we're getting Nini on this week. I'm going to be putting out a video. So if you guys are hearing this after the fact, uh, today is January 13th. I'll be releasing the Joe Tweedy episode. I will, if you guys are not following me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. I'll be posting a video this week asking questions if, for everybody to send in questions um, for Nini. And then uh, for Simon Phillips, who's the third guest for our transfer show. Um, and Simon Phillips is a journalist, a Chelsea journalist. He does have inside information. He is somebody within the industry that has made contacts um, and he's a professional. So he has sources, legit sources. He's a working journalist. So um, he's I'm, we're fortunate enough to have him on the podcast as well. And he's going to give us information. The same thing with Nini. Um, Nini is going to be coming on. He has sources. He has uh, inside information. And by the end of those three episodes and the end of the window, we're going to know exactly or not exactly, but we're going to have a damn good idea of what is going on within the club. So enough with the bullshit. Here is uh, the interview with Joe Tweedy, and I'll catch you guys on the back end um, later. All right, what's going on, everybody? This is the transfer show with Joe, the Don, motherfucking Tweedy. Joe, I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor that when you walk into a room, everybody bends the knee, and they call you sir, that nobody looks you in the eyes. Is that true? Is that true? I'm gonna have to deny that. That's a that's a vicious rumor. No, unfortunately not. No. Joe says he's not going to den. He's not gonna confirm. He says he's gonna deny, but we know the truth, ladies and gentlemen. We know the truth. Joe cannot lie to us. All right, Joe. So transfer show. We are what? What is it? We are 12 days in to this January transfer window. I am convinced that this January transfer window and the summer window is gonna let us know. Everything that we need to know about Chelsea Football Club going forward, what their ambitions are, um, if they believe this transfer band is coming, we're gonna need we're gonna learn everything that there is to know. I believe. I believe we're gonna learn a lot. Before I ask you uh, the official questions, do you have inside information that I'm not asking you to tell us? All I'm saying is, do you have inside information that people don't know about yes or no uh yes, yes. i'm taking that as a yes <laughs> ah, i don't even want to know okay when you heard this information is it smile were you smiling or you're going you got to be fucking kidding me which one it's it's intriguing i'll put it that way <laughs> Ah, that's what I love. Dude, I never want to be on the inside. I never want to be on the inside. I never want to hear the information that you got. Never. I always want to be on the outside. It's so much fun to speculate. What could it be? Unless unless you got told some shit and you're like, you got to be fucking kidding me. 
So and just uh, just just to clarify before people start, I'm I'm not claiming that I'm some uh, some in the no guru, but I, I have friends who are who are football agents. I know people who work at Chelsea um, in in various capacities, but mostly I know at least I don't know five or six football agents who are my friends. So that's where a lot of my information comes from. Okay, so now that that's clear, guys, don't go hitting up Joel thinking that you're going to get inside information because he actually works in the building, all right? Joel is one of us. Joel is a fan. Joel, over the years, has developed a reputation because of his footballing mind, because of his connections that he has made, that has allowed him to receive information. But at the end of the day, he's not an employee of anything football, correct? He's just a fan. He's just like yeah. us. Yeah. All right. Cool. Wow. Joe. Man, I would. Oh, my God. Woo. All right. So here we go. Here are. So first, I want to say this before I ask any uh, questions to Joe. I want to thank each and every single person that sent in a question. I had put out a video on Twitter and truth be told, I, I was shitting my pants once I put out the video and I put, you know, sweet because I did not want to look like an asshole. I did not want to look like asking, hey, guys, can you send in some questions? And and, and it was just crickets. I, I, that I was very nervous about. But, you know, my followers and people came in strong and they helped your boy out to not look like a dickhead. Um, and I got 21 questions in and these questions are pretty fucking good. Pretty good. Like... Even if you didn't send in a question, the questions that were asked should cover the the wide-ranging um, questions that most people are going to have about what's going on in the transfer market and what our future holds. So, I guess here we go. So, I'm, I broke this down into various different sections. So, here we go. So, transfers. Yesterday was confirmed that, uh, or it was made official that, you know, the inevitable was going to happen. Cesc Fabregas moves to Monaco for $10 million. And the first question that, uh, that came up, Joe, did you see this today? That, that, uh, Pare I didn't even know how to say this dude's name. The, the Paredes. Dude, Paredes. You think, seeing how I am Latino, how I would be able to pronounce these names, but no, I didn't. So Paredes. Did you see that he uh, liked, I mean, a retweeted a video on Twitter about welcoming him, him to Chelsea? Did you see that this morning? Yeah, I saw it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. It's either, I saw it, I'm like, either A, he doesn't know what he's doing, B, he's trolling, or C, he's coming to Chelsea. So, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Um, question number one, and this was sent in by the homie Lammy, a.k.a. Freddy. What is the midfield situation uh, with Barreta and, uh, and uh, with Pareles? Or fuck, I don't even... You know who I'm talking about, everybody. And Barella from uh, Italy. Oof. Um, so, I think the reality is that, that Chelsea are interested in, in both players. Um, I think Paredes is most likely seen as a let's say, a Jorginho deputy. Um, he's one of these players who is, I mean, he is insanely talented, like one of the most talented players in the world. I just question, I think probably slightly reinforced with his, his move to Zenit, his, his attitude at times is a little bit questionable, his application, even stuff like retweeting the, the sort of clip from Chelsea, 
a little bit into his kind of mentality, a little bit childish. Now, this is a guy who can, you know, dribble around seven people in midfield and, and flick the ball with the outside of his foot over another six people when it lands on someone's foot for a goal. His his range of passing is, is incredible. His his feet in midfield are exceptional. You just have to question his his mentality. So I think for the, the club, that they're, they're kind of gambling a little bit on his talent, on his upside, because, you know, when you look at, uh, at someone's ability to, to pass, when you look at someone's just just skill in, in midfield, his ability to, to just beat people and, and not lose the ball and, and play out of really difficult situations, he would potentially be the, the idle player to to deputise or even maybe start over Jorginho in, in some games. But I think the fact Roma were, were quite happy to sell him um, and the fact that I think maybe it's, it's to do with the, the move to Russia didn't pan out, but but just I think his his attitude is a little bit questionable. So, you know, the reason that he's he's probably a cheaper option than than Barella is is probably those those question marks around his attitude. But, you know, this is a, an incredibly talented footballer, someone who I think if you could... If you could extract some of that out of him on a regular basis, you know he would be uh, just a, a really, really wonderful player to watch and an incredible talent. Barella is is more of um, someone who probably is going to be a, a, a N'Golo Kante deputy, um, maybe even someone who could potentially start over him in a, in a year or so. This is a guy who is a little bit reminiscent of a of a Raja Nangalan type player. He's a little bit of a uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a very kind of physical, combative, aggressive kind of ball winner. But he has so much to offer on the ball as well. He's a great passer, really, really great touch. Very, very good in in uh, in sort of uh, tight situations. Good one-touch player. He's you know he's also played right midfield. He's played holding midfield. He's played a little bit as a number ten. He's definitely better on the ball than Kante at the moment. Maybe not quite as good at Kante off the ball, but definitely more aggressive in terms of how he tries to win it back. So. I can see why he's being touted as sort of a £50 million option because I think, again, you know, this is someone who, if you buy him and, and he becomes the player that, that you think he might become, you know, he's he's going to be one heck of a footballer. You know, I think I, I saw, you know, speaking to a few people sort of recently that, you know, this was a guy that probably was going to end up at Juventus at some point in one or two, mm-hmm. one or two seasons. So, you know, a guy that, that obviously they're looking at to, to sort of come in and, and they obviously buy all the best Italian players. So, you know, I, I I do have high hopes. I mean, there was a little bit of speculation on on Twitter that Chelsea were just playing some random Italian guy, but I'm pretty I'm pretty high, and I think he's a potentially an incredibly good footballer. Um, obviously, there are lots of caveats about how he adapts to the Premier League and the physicality and the tempo and all that all that sort of stuff. But in terms of his his all round game, you know, he's he's got the technical ability, he's got the aggression, you know, he's got definitely got the engine. So I, I do like both signings. I would like Chelsea to buy both. I have a feeling, um, just really what's come out in the in the press and just some of the things I've, I've heard from from some people I know in the game that, that Paredes is probably more liked at this point than Barella, and that's more on Barella himself. You know, I think he's he's quite mature and he's quite aware that maybe the, the move is too soon to come to, to come to a club like Chelsea. Um, so Paredes is probably more likely, but I think that they're two names that you can you can definitely keep tabs on, and you know, I think that they both would would add something to the to the Chelsea squad. So. So I, I've I've also heard very similar things about um, their timing on when they're going. Maybe a situation where like uh, like uh, Barella maybe uh, a purchase and then a loan back because he has his his wife is pregnant and she's expecting. No, 
in Italy. That's yeah. and, and and that's and that was the point, you know, like a like a sticking point that he didn't want to uproot his entire family to come to England uh, while she was pregnant, or he didn't want to have to be working in another country while his wife and family are uh, in a you know you know some distance away. So I mean that. Listen, I I had a a kid three years ago, and and I didn't necessarily have all my shit together. And this guy is only twenty one, and he ha- and he's thinking along those lines. So, and I've also heard very positive things about Barella and um, Paredes. This dude's really good. Like I I. I, I Everything that I've seen of him, he looks amazing. But so you're telling me that we he might be a little bit of a of a case where he's um, not so mature. Yeah, I mean, I think also the thing to point out is that he, you know, if, if you've not let's say seen like 90 minute matches of him, he's one of the best YouTube footballers that you can ever watch. <laughs> you know, his 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 highlights are highlights. You know, they're not just uh, little clips. Some of the stuff that he's done in games is is just obscene, but it's it, you know the, the 90 minute performance is a little bit sometimes inconsistent, but you know you're talking about a, a base level of talent that not many people really have. Um, I do think a lot of it is, is attitude wise. I think he's just this typical maybe Argentine kind of playboy footballer. Um, he he maybe is has not had the sort of discipline or whatever in his game that he's perhaps required. But you know he he definitely would be a, a good addition to the team, a good understudy. I think for for someone like Jorginho, a good deputy be interesting because I think if he were to develop some consistency to his game, I don't think Jorginho would be starting that often. Um, Damn. I think, yeah, I think Paredes is, is, is probably, again, I mean, this is, I mean, I've seen, I've seen a couple of games that he's played where he's played at his sort of full potential for Roma. Um, and, and those games you're sort of like, why is this guy not a Barcelona or Real Madrid? It's, it's, he's such a, such a talent, but the next game he sort of, you know, kind of goes back into the shell of it. So, you know, if you, if you can get consistency, you know, this is a guy who he can do all the sort of the neat and tidy stuff, short and short and, you know, keep it short and keep the ball moving and keep the tempo moving. But, you know, this is a guy that can also pick out 40, 50, 60 yard passes like it's, you know, playing a five yard pass, you know, to a wall. It's, it's incredible. His range of passing, his vision, his ability to make the passes. But, you know, it's just a question of consistency because I think realistically, if, if he was... Let's say he was good seven games out of ten, he'd be a you know a top six club in the world. Um, so it's just a question of of trying to extract that out of him a little bit. And I think I think potentially you know Sari could get that out of him. It would be in a system that he would be using his kind of skill set to the fullest. Um, it's just a question I think really of, of his mentality because if you can if you can switch him on more more times than not, you know you're going to get a very very good footballer. So when do you think? Um... I mean, him retweeting a video of welcoming him, him to Chelsea. The dude is clearly a wild man. But when, like, realistically, what's the timeline of him holding up the shirt, sitting next to our, you know, the, the, our beloved CEO, Marina Gavaskaya, um, at, at, at Cobham? When do you think that could happen by? Well, I mean, the, the kind of the noise coming out of the club was that they wouldn't let Fabregas go until that they secured a replacement. So with that being in mind, if Paredes is, is already you know, re- retweeting videos of him being welcomed to Chelsea, etc., that to me signals it could be within sort of the next five days. I've not heard anything concrete on it, but just sort of adding together some of the stuff about Chelsea not willing to let Fabregas go until that they'd already signed a replacement to me suggests that it can't be that far off. Yeah. 
And then Barella, what is your uh, if he does come? We don't know, but I, that one feels like it's a more of a long term project. As yeah, so, so what do you like timetable on that one? If it's gonna happen, most likely summer. I said most likely summer, but it could be summer where they maybe buy him and then he uh, he stays on loan at Cali for a season and then comes the following year. So um, I, I guess it, it all depends on the player. You know, yeah. if they're comfortable at that point to move to London, then it could be in the summer. But, you know, he may also want to stay in Italy for a bit longer. But, you know, I think he's what, 22, 23. I can't remember. He's, he's quite a young player. So, you know, you've still got plenty of his best years ahead of him. Yep, yep. So Chelsea did um, in this transfer ma- window make a signing and they uh they signed Christian Pulisic from Borussia Dortmund. Um, after the signing, he was to you know sent back on loan or sent on loan to Dortmund, so he could just finish out the year over there. Uh, that's a big signing. So, what are your thoughts, Joe? What are your thoughts on the Christian Pulisic signing uh, for Chelsea? Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting move. I'd, I'd known that the club had been looking at him for, I mean, absolute ages. And now that he's signed, I'm really quite happy to tell you. I mean, Chelsea were sending scouts to US training camps for maybe three years, maybe four years, even even when he was playing for sort of the age group teams. Are you serious? So, yeah, he's been on the radar for a very, very long time. Um, so I think he's, well, I don't want to say it was completely inevitable that he was going to come to, come to Chelsea, but... He feels like a player that the club, and I, this is definitely a, a club signing more than a more than a sorry one. They've they've been on him for a very long period of time. So, yeah, I think that that in that sense there was some inevitability inevitability about it. Um, I think in in terms of the sort of impact and stuff he'll make next season, I, I find it quite likely that one of William or, or Pedro or maybe even both, you know, may not be here in the summer. So you're going to need almost instantly to replace that with. With a, with a new player. Um, I think Pulisic playing on the right-hand side has a lot of characteristics that I like. He's obviously incredibly fast. He's a, he's a very, very good dribbler. You know, has a lot of, uh, lot of experience playing in a, in a pressing system and a lot of experience playing in a, a team like Dortmund. Obviously, they, they play a very similar... Uh, well, uh, yeah, a pretty similar style of football to what Sarri is, is trying to achieve at Chelsea. So he has a lot of kind of... I suppose almost uh, innate knowledge of, of of the system and how he's going to play sort of already. So it's not like it's going to be completely foreign to him coming in and playing in that four three three system. So um, I think from that from that perspective, I'm I'm pretty happy. I think you know that he there's there's a lot in his game that needs to be improved for me to really see that sixty million pounds as a as a as a really prudent sort of investment. I, I know that that was sort of the money that that was needed to take him. Um, you know, his, his decision-making, I think, in the final third is a little bit too heads down for, for my liking at times. He needs to get his head up a little bit more and pick pick better options. But I think people keep forgetting that he is incredibly young. You know, but, you know, he's obviously a huge amount of money, but this is a guy that if he develops and if he continues to improve, and, you know, there's, there's nothing to suggest that he won't continue to do that. You know, this could be a cr- incredibly good signing for the club. You know, whether it sort of endangers... Uh, you know, Hassan Adoy's chances, I'm not entirely sure because I do think that, that Pedro or William will, will move on, if not both of them may move on in the summer. So I don't think it's, it's going to impact too many of the academy players. But, uh, you know, there will be a lot of expectation on his shoulders. You know, he's uh, he's going to be a £60 million player. People won't look at his age. Um, you know, and I think that the one thing that I'll question, you know, is, is someone of his talent, and he is incredibly talented, does he score enough goals? Does he get enough assists? Does he do enough? To, to warrant uh, 
you know, starting every single week with that transfer fee. And I think that's that's what we're going to find out is that Chelsea, you know, we need someone to come in who's going to add goals, who's going to add assists, who's going to add directness and, and pace and creativity. And I think he gives you creativity, he gives you pace. But, you know, if he can come in and let's say he can get 15 goals a season, for me, that's perfect. Um, but, you know, the fact that he's, mm, I don't think he's got double figures too many times at Dortmund is, is a little bit of a worry. But, you know, hopefully the, the aspect of his game, the goal scoring aspect is something that he can improve. Yeah, I, 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 um, I'm of the opinion, I've, I've shared my opinion on this podcast and on other podcasts that um, I like the signing because it's a 20-year-old right winger. It's in a position of need. We've needed to upgrade and bring fresh blood into, in, in, into that position. But I absolutely love the signing off the pitch. What it, uh, like from the business aspect that Chelsea are looking to gain a tremendous amount of market share in the United States with the signing of Christian Pulisic along those lines. What, like, can you kind of quantify or like, kind of like, like give the people an idea of what this signing means business wise for Chelsea football club off the pitch, off the pitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you've, you've signed the poster boy of the American football team, essentially. Um, and in terms of, sort of opening up sponsorship deals, I, I think the opportunities are vast. You know, obviously, Pulisic is—I uh, think he's yeah—he's he's a Nike player, yep. America and Nike. You know, so that 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 synergy is already great. But I think in terms of just opening opening up the uh, the, the kind of gateways to just general U.S. companies, I think that that's a huge huge push for the company. And you know, if he can add, let's say, 10, 15 million pounds a season from his sponsorship deals alone, you know, from from getting some U.S. companies on board, and I'm certain actually as well. That him coming to Chelsea, that a lot of big US companies will want to get involved with the club. And that 10, 15 million pound a season, that's a lot of money that you can invest in players. You know, so you know if, if he can if he can bring that on board as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the club have already got some some people in mind, some companies in mind. You know, they've already done the numbers, etc. They've done their homework. Um, and not just getting a, obviously a player who who benefits the squad, but you know he he, he effectively year on year if he can give you that. 10, 15 million pound a year in terms of sponsors, then that's almost a, a really, really good player signed every summer just off the back of him being there. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration that he is the face of, of US football um, and he probably will be for the next X amount of years until some other, some kid comes along who's an absolute superstar. So, you know, this is, a, I think, a prudent move in that respect. And I think actually the the off-the-field ramifications are that, that Chelsea sponsorship revenue will increase probably quite significantly and also, I mean, I think, as I said, their ability to then go and sign players also increases. So it's kind of like a, it's a win on, on, on quite a few levels for the club. Yeah, because the no bullshit, my, most of my following is in the UK on, on, on Twitter. I started once we um, once we announced it, I got a, like two or three new followers Uh over the, like the next like three days, that I American followers that I didn't have before. I, I uh, a significant portion of my f- Twitter followers are in the UK, and then second place is the United States. I gained followers um, just because of his signing. So I, I I would imagine that his signing has a trickle down. I'd be interested to know what the signing does. Um, how like what does it mean and in. Uh, in in gaining American market share and like expanding the club uh, to the United States, because I I can tell you, I watch every United States men's national team, and 
from the moment they start the coverage, it is Pulisic. It's Pulisic, Pulisic, Pulisic. So this is, I, I, like I said, I love the signing off the pitch. I like the signing on the pitch. Um, and I'd be, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where, where this goes, where this goes, and and how much he can expand, or in how much the team does grow in popularity here within the United States. All right, so moving on. Question. Next question. What um what do you know about summer signings, and what is the club's ambitions on players coming in during the summer, and I guess players going out as well. I think what you're you're seeing at the moment is that Chelsea are committing to let's say a, a squad refresh. Now you're seeing players like Victor Moses, Danny Drinkwater, Gary Cahill, etc., move on. Um, or, or potentially move on this window. Cesc Fabregas has already gone. I think William or Pedro will also go. There's, there's questions about whether David Luiz will sign a, a new contract. I don't think he will. So you're losing a good five, six, maybe seven players from this current squad. So I think the direction for the, for the club is that they're looking to go much younger. Um, potentially, I mean, we may even lose Hazard in the summer as well. So, I mean, that, that's going to be a huge Joel, player to, stop to try right and there. Joel, stop right there. <laughs> don't. Anybody else saying some shit like that, like, I'd let it slide. But knowing that you know things, please don't be saying some shit like that because you do not know. I'll be up for the next four or five days trying to decipher. I'll I'll go through all your tweets trying to decipher. Like, Joe put a period after Hazard. What does that mean? Does that mean Hazard's at the end? Don't be saying some shit like that, Joe, knowing knowing that we all know that you know things. All right? So don't say shit like that. So casually, I mean, don't say we, shit like that, okay? The, uh, we'll deal with the hazard question first of all. Then, so I mean, it's it's more a question of, of just looking at sort of reality. You know, he hasn't signed a contract that's been on the table for I mean a really really long point period of time. You know, right now, um, his his dream is to move to Real Madrid. They don't have a particularly great squad post. Not a great squad. They don't really have it. They're not really doing that particularly well post Ronaldo. So I still think Hazard Hazard's dream is to is to go to play for Real Madrid. I, I don't think that has ever really changed. I don't think what Chelsea are doing this season is really enough on the pitch to convince Hazard to to stay. I mean so many times this season that he's been a one man one man band and you know that there's there's some merit to say that he likes being the you know the number one player at the club, and, and there's a you know there's a lot of things behind him that he likes, and probably may may stay at Chelsea. But you know there's a you know the, the reality is that he's he's still not signed a contract. The club have not particularly progressed, um, maybe in a way that he would have liked to to sort of sign that contract. And you know I, I think that the the bottom line will be that this will really kind of boil down to to the the Champions League football. You know if Chelsea get Champions League football. In the, in the you know for the let's say for the summer, sign a couple of decent players, and there's every you know potential that, that Hazard will stay. Um, but you know this, this is a guy he wants to be playing in the Champions League. You know two out of the past three seasons we've we've not been in it. Um, you know we're, we're becoming a little bit of a, a team who competes a sort of fourth and fifth and sixth. You know um, rather than sort of competing for the title. And you know this is a, a point I've made to a lot of people. It's, it's all well and good winning the league when you know we're playing once a week under Conte, but as soon as you move to playing in Europe, you know, we have a massive drop off in, in form. So, you know, we're, we're not quite in the, in the position where we can sustain a, a European 
you know, kind of a European Cup or, or Europa League push, as well as sort of maintaining, a, you know, a, a title challenge at the moment. So maybe Hazard is, is looking and seeing what's going on at the club and thinking that this is his chance to move on. Um, you know, I mean, again, I've, I've not I've not heard anything concrete about him at all since uh, the summer, really, apart from the contract offer that's been there. Um, that's been fairly well documented as well. But I think it, it just comes down to Chelsea, Chelsea, their ambition and whether they can get into whether they can get into Europe. So, you know, he's got a very, very good contract on the table. I think the thing with him is, and what a lot of people maybe don't understand, is it's not about the money. I think he just wants to. He even wants to play in Madrid, or he wants to play in Europe. You know, it's 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 one of those things. So you, know, he, you can throw as much money as him as possible, but I think ultimately he's he's got ambitions to 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 sort of do more than than just earn money, which is kind of noble in a way, but also doesn't really go in our favour. So yeah, it's it's a it's a tough situation. Um, I know a lot of people were are concerned about it, but you know, it's it's kind of really sort of out of our hands. You know, if. If he does go, then you know it's it's probably because we didn't get in Europe or, or Real Madrid have come in with a with a an offer that we, that we can't turn down as a club. You know he will be in the final twelve months of his contract in the summer, so Chelsea obviously will will probably have to cash in on him then if they do get an offer and he's not going to sign. So you know it's it's not looking super positive, I would say, but you oh know things have, uh, things have things have changed last minute at Chelsea before. So oh my god, Joe, Joe. I'm st- all right, guys. We're gonna have to take a break because I'm gonna go throw up. <laughs> <clears throat> oh fuck! Here we go. We're go- you know what the the show must go on. All right, so Jared, that was your question for Joe about uh, Eden Hazard. So I guess I, I I had a couple questions about Hazard. I will just knock them out now. You don't think signing? I I mean, if it's not about money. Uh, what do you think about bringing in Thorgan Hazard? Uh, Chelsea have already said that they're not going to do that. Um, but do you think that would help? Um, I mean, um, I, I don't think so at this point. I think Thorgan has kind of himself said that he doesn't want to play yeah, with second, his physical, second middle to Eden and be in his shadow. Plus, I think Dortmund uh, are going to offer some pretty big money for him and, and he'll probably end up at Borussia Dortmund as well. Um, so I, I, I mean, I can't see that that happening. Um, I mean, I, I think we've tried to sign every family member of Hazard <laughs> to, to try and keep him at the club. So we've maybe kind of exhausted that option at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, any was it? Well, compare Thorgan Hazard. Well, I mean, because we already talked about Christian. This was part of the question that uh, at X Waldo uh, sent in that. Maybe signing Thorgan Hazard could potentially keep um, Eden Hazard and comparing Thorgan Hazard to Christian Pulisic. But Thorgan has already said that he didn't want to play second fiddle to his brother. And I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near Eden Hazard's shadow. Um, and also, we've already said that Christian Pulisic, uh, his signing is not necessarily... It's more than just what he brings on the pitch. It's what he brings, the business opportunities that he brings out. So, fuck, let's just move on from Eden Hazard. I'm, I'm sick. I'm done. Uh, I'm done. So, the next guy, is, so moving on uh, with the transfers, a guy that I cross my fingers. I have like a little set of candles next to my bed, and every night um, I light one and it has a picture of the Cardi. Any chance... That my prayers can be answered, and uh, Mauro Icardi makes his way to Stanford Bridge. 
What are your thoughts on 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 that situation? See, I mean, this is where maybe I'm slightly more positive. Whoa. Okay. All right. All right. I'm feeling good, Joe. I'm feeling good. But there might be a slight downside to it. So Fuck. my my theory, and, and again, this is this is my thinking. This isn't something that I've heard. Is that if if Chelsea sell Eden Hazard in the summer, let's say I don't know, it would probably be 100 million pounds plus, even though he's in the last year of his contract. Mauro Icardi has a 100 million pound buyout to foreign clubs, and that would be the exact kind of statement signing that Chelsea needs to replace Hazard. It also means maybe that they can convince Hudson Odoi that there's space on the left hand side for him. Maybe that they go out and buy another left wing. But, you know, Akadi has had an offer on the table from Inter for quite a long time now, and I, I can't see him signing it. He wants to be paid big bucks. He wants to be paid the sort of money that a, a guy who gets 20, 30 goals a season every season deserves. You know, and I think actually that, you know, the fact that Chelsea are constantly linked with him, and I, know, I know for a fact that the club definitely, definitely liked him, and he's definitely someone that we are looking at. Um, but that for me is the is kind of the, the bittersweet kind of moment if, if Hazard does go in the summer, is that you get someone like Mauricardi in. Part of me also thinks as well that let's say miraculously that Eden Hazard stays, you know, there's every chance that Hazard does stay. You know, I think what a lot of people underestimate is although Hazard has this great desire to play for Madrid, he's very much a family man and his family are incredibly settled in, in Surrey and Cobham. You know, his, his children will go to school here and... I think that also plays a huge part in, in the in the decision making process as well. It's not just a question of um, of him upping and, and moving to Madrid. His, his family will have a big say in it as well. But if you could keep Hazard, and I, I still think that there's scope for Chelsea to go and get someone like Mario Riccardi. Um And it, you know, kind of in in this day and age when when transfer fees are going insane, 100 million pounds for a striker of of Icardi's quality. You know, for me, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a no brainer. Um, now I think that you know this is a guy who is is probably one of the one of the best strikers in Europe at the moment. He's definitely not completely uh, you know kind of you know he's, he's not super happy with with uh, with with Inter Milan. You know this is a guy who you know he's, he's 26 goals a season in 16 17. You know he got nearly 30 goals last season. Um, you know he's on 13 already this season. You know, he for me, he, he's a guy that will get you 20, 25, 30 goals a season, you know, any any time he plays. Um, and, and for that, the £100 million is, is definitely more than worth it. So, you know, a, a guy that Chelsea are definitely interested in, definitely are looking at. And, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be super surprised if, if Chelsea pushed for him um, in the summer. Now, part of me has, has heard some stuff about Chelsea making a move for him in January. That um, that hundred million release clause doesn't get activated until the summer, but you know the thought being if Chelsea bid a little bit over that, um, potentially that they could they could bring Riccardi in earlier. Um, I think that maybe is a little bit too fanciful, um, but for the summer I think that's uh, it's a definite possibility and, and one that you should definitely keep an eye on because I, I'm positive that he's not going to be into Milan. I'm positive that they're going to want to cash in on him and you know. Coming to Chelsea, I think that that would be a uh, a very very good move for him. Mm, you know, if Real Madrid are interested in, fair enough. But you know, if they want to sign Hazard, they want to sign Mbappe, they want to sign Neymar, etc. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. They can't afford every player. So you know, I think Arcadi is potentially one that we can get. I actually, uh, I have no data, I have no facts, I have no inside information to support this. 
But I I do believe that um, it's Harry Kane that's going to end up at Real Madrid. Um, Again, I have no reason to believe that. Um, It's just my wishful thinking. But something tells me that he's going to end up there. I just can't see Harry Kane being at Tottenham forever. Um, But the same way, the same thing can be said about Eden Hazard. So there is a chance. And and, and do you think if we do sign Icardi, I mean... There is a scenario where both Acardi and Eden Hazard could be for you know playing for Chelsea. Absolutely, and I mean again, I think what people maybe don't understand is, is Madrid. Madrid want sort of high-profile players, and I think I don't think Eden Hazard is a priority. Um, if they wanted him, he would be there. I mean that that's sort of the situation we're in. If, if they really wanted him, that they would have bought him by now and. You know, a lot of agents, particularly agents I know who work in French football, told me that uh, both Neymar and Mbappe are the sort of the two the two big guys that they're looking for this summer. So at the same you know, time, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're looking for uh, you know they want they want firepower, they want star names, they want star power, they want they want they want you know goals and firepower basically. And you know, again, you look at Hazard. You know, Hazard isn't a 30, 40 goal a season guy in Madrid. Neymar probably is, Mbappe probably is. So, I think you know there's there's a lot there's a lot for saying that Hazard wants to go there, but you know whether the let's say that the desire is reciprocated by Real Madrid, I'm not so sure. I mean that that's that's the one thing that I, I hold to in terms of Hazard sort of moving or staying is that I mean realistically, if we take off sort of our, our Chelsea kind of hats for the moment, if Real Madrid want a player, they tend to get them. And the fact that they weren't willing to pay the money that we wanted for him suggests to me that they're not really too fussed on him. I think he'd be, he'd go there, he'd be a good player, he wouldn't be the star. You know, they'd get Mbappe, they'd get Neymar, they'd get someone else in. Um, the fans would turn on him if he's not scoring, you know, 30, 40 goals a season. So, no, I, th- I think that there's, there's a lot to suggest that he's obviously wants to potentially leave. Um, but I don't think that it's necessarily reciprocated to the level that he'd like. And I do think that they have other priorities as well. Holy shit. I, I'm still stuck on them having enough money to go out and buy Neymar and Mbappe in the same window. I, I'm still stuck on that. That That is, for a company, how much, that's, realistically, what, that's half a billion dollars they would have to shell out. I mean, yeah. not, a, not in a lump sum, but still a half a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Part, part of me thinks that they'll, they'll go for both in, in an attempt to get one. So mm. that, that's potentially how we're going to see it. Is I, I think I think that they want Neymar. I think they want Neymar to be the guy at Real Madrid. Um, there's a lot of particularly talk around PSG about him not being super settled in Paris and not being super settled uh, in France and, and maybe not enjoying himself as much. So he would be the one. Um, but I really wouldn't put it past them to go for both of him and uh, and Mbappe as well. Damn. You've got to think as well that they're potentially that they're going to be selling quite a few potential players in the summer. Um, I don't think they spent massive amounts last summer as well. So they've probably got a fair bit left from the Ronaldo deal with a few other bits and pieces as well. So, you know, they, they do have tons of money to spend all the time, but I think they may have quite a bit this summer as well. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So, all right. So we're on the strike. We're on transfers for strikers. The Morata situation, the, there's apparently a viral picture. I wouldn't even call it viral, but a picture went out that Morata... Uh, was seen at the airport yesterday and during the game they said that 
was it on the telecast? I don't know, but somebody somebody said that he's for a hundred percent in Spain. He wasn't in on the uh, on the squad uh, on the bench uh, for the Chelsea versus Newcastle game today. His situation is unclear. Is Colum? Is like what? What is the situation with Morata and? And are the and I guess this is well. What is the situation with Morata? Like, what what's going on there? Because I'm done with the dude. The 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 faster he can leave, the 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 better. I mean, I, I think it's it's come to an end. Um, I think that that much is is pretty clear. Okay. okay. I think the the sticking point is, and this is the case with so many players at Chelsea. Sign is, you know, that Morata is on an absolutely ridiculous salary package, and there's no way that Sevilla or Atletico Madrid or whoever are going to be able to afford to, to, to pay those kinds of wages. So, you know, it comes to the fact as well that I think that the, the most that, that we're probably going to get for him is probably about £40 million. Pounds. 40 um, too much, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. He's, he's been an absolute disaster. But it's it's a question, I think, for, for Chelsea of trying to obviously recoup that money now. Um, I don't think that they want a Torres situation where they had to loan him out for like 500 years of his contract before he eventually left think that they, they want to get him off the books um, really as soon as possible. So I think it, it's true he wants to go back to back to Spain. I think Atletico Madrid would take him. I think Sevilla would take him. There's been some news that Barcelona potentially would take him. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting one because I, I, I personally, I don't think he's injured. Um, I think it's just a, an excuse for him to try and go and push for a move. Um, I, I can see him uh, playing for Atletico and probably Sevilla. Um who who really knows? I mean, in terms of, of terms of where he's going to end up, but you know, I, I was never I was never hugely in favour of resigning him to begin with. He's always struck me as always struck me as as kind of the number two guy, you know. And, and it's a little bit like sometimes when you see using some American sports here, but you've got a like a number two wide receiver or a number two yeah. scorer on a team of basketball. When they when they become the guy, they struggle. You know, it would be interesting if. Antonio Brown leaves the Steelers and then Juju Smith-Schuster becomes the guy. Just how Look at be. Joe flexing. Look so, at Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I have yeah, a very, very ridiculous amount of knowledge of NFL stuff as well, but that, that, that can be a different podcast. But, you know, you, you, get, you get a lot of cases of where star players move and then they become the guy. And I think what's happened to Morata is that he's backed up so many good players over time that, you know, He'd always come on when Madrid were winning 3-0 and score the fall for, you know, he was backing up uh, players and Juventus come on and score a couple of goals, etc. But the mentality to be the number one guy and to have that pressure on you every game and, and to really have the entire team in your back, you know, that's that's not what everyone has. You know, it's it's the mentality of, it's that alpha mentality. I don't think he's had that. I don't think he ever will have it. Um, I think that's partly why we see him Missed chances, going to a shell, you know, he looks lost. You know, there are times this season where he's, you know, he's looked like a, an amateur player. You know, he can't control the ball. He he goes down under minimal contact all the time. And, you know, this is a guy who I, I think is, is much happier sort of being a, a rotational piece than then being the superstar striker guy. So, you know, I, th- I think the experiment has failed. Um, I, I mean, the only real positive is that we will never pay the seventy million pounds because he'll never reach the bonuses because he's never scored enough from from Real Madrid. But if we can recoup, I don't know, forty million of the fifty million out there, whatever it was, sixty million out there, um, you know, then then that's going to be what it is. But you know, it's another example of of Chelsea, you know, spending big money and getting it wrong. You know, we've we've done it so many times with players like Torres and 
and Bakayoko, and we spent even spent big money on people like Drinkwater, and you know we we tend to we tend to spend big money and not really always get it right. And I think that's what's kind of left us in the position with the squad we have is that we've got we've got things or we've got too many decisions wrong over the past couple of years and kind of needs with, with a bit of a mishmash squad. But yeah, I, th- I think you know bringing it back to Morata, I think he's he's done at Chelsea. I think it's clear that Sorry doesn't rate him. Um, and I can see him going back to Spain. I'm hopeful that it's going to be this window because I, I think it's just one of those things where it will benefit him as a person, you know, to, to move back to Spain and be in a familiar environment, just um, more than sort of being in London and hanging around for the rest of the season. So, you know, if, I think for Morata's sake, it would be good if it can be done now. Um, also for Chelsea's sake, because I think, again, we are absolutely desperate to bring in a centre-forward who can be the number one, or maybe not be the number one guy, but at least score some goals for the rest of the season and then uh, reassess things in the, in the summer. But... You know, it's, it's just one of those things where Chelsea have gambled, um, it's, it really didn't pay off, and we're starting to suffer because of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I personally, um, like you said, like, I like the sentiments that you're sharing that off the pitch as a person, I, you know, I hope he gets his shit together and, you know, and only good things come to him. As a player, I'm fucking done with him. I don't care where he goes. Um, I've said this before, and he scores 700 goals uh, a season and wins the Ballon d'Or every single year until he retires and they build statues of, of him in every continent of this world. I'm done with the guy. I don't want him. Um, for too long, I was a supporter, an optimist. I hoped, I wished that that he would find his form, find his way, but I'm done with him. Thanks for the, what, how many goals has he scored for us, Max? Was his Minus first? <laughs> so Minus last five. year was 10, and this year was what, 3, 4, 5? Minus 20. <laughs> yeah, whatever the case may be, thank you for whatever that was, and uh, have a nice one later. So... With the striker position, there's a couple. There's a bunch of names that are that are floating around. Uh, we got Cullum Wilson. Um, I I don't want Cullum Wilson. Um, it's just it just reeks of desperation. It reeks of desperation. I would much rather if I'm gonna go desperate, I would rather go cheaper. Fifty million, just because he's English. Just seems like a lot. Um, you got another another guy, Benzema. Uh, another name, Iguain. Like, well, I, I that was part of the question. Somebody wrote in about Benzema, but I mean, for this short window, what do we do? Um, uh, Jamie Vardy's another name that goes out. What what what, what do you think we do? And have you heard anything behind the scenes information? Please do not share. But have you heard any behind the scenes information of these names? Are these names checking out from what you're hearing? Yes, I mean okay. that's uh, that's the bottom line. Is uh, Chelsea Chelsea are desperately trying to sign a, a striker this window? I mean, I think that's going to be the uh, the main focus for the rest of the window. So, but the, the, the difficulty is, and, and you know, if you're looking at sort of the profile of player that you would want. I mean, I always think back to when Chelsea signed Nicolas Anelka. You know, he was the ideal January signing because this is a guy who has the talent to be a number one player. But, you know, moving to like a number two striker, let's say next season, that's like the perfect, perfect player. You want, you want someone who's good enough to get goals now, but next season is a great number two. 
and, and that's going to be the difficult thing is you know kind of sort of a little bit why Callum Wilson is is the one that sort of pops out is because I think he'd be grateful enough to come to the club he'd probably score a bit and he's going to score more than Morata let's be, be honest but for £50 million is a little bit insane for a guy that I think has only hit double figures in the Premier League once in the I don't know since 2014 so you know he's not a huge uh Oh, no, sorry, no, he hasn't actually hit double figures in the Prem. Uh, oh, no, sorry, he has this season. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking nonsense. Yeah, just so this season. Yeah, just, just this season is the first time he's hit, he's hit 10 goals. Um, he has a lot of the attributes that you'd like. He's quick, he's strong, the usual thing that you get from sort of English English centre-forwards. But, you know, is he the quality of player that's going to get you a, a Champions League place? And, and you know, I, a little bit on the fence of him. Higuarin... Yeah, you know, on a, on a six-month lane to the summer, I'd I take it. I mean, again, he's not a player that I'm particularly fond of. You know, this is a guy who looks to be drastically out of shape. You know, he's he's never really turned up in the big moments in his career. And I don't know, I've always had a little bit of a thing about Higuarin as, as a player not being particularly too too fantastic. I think Vardy is, is very similar to the, in, in the Callum Wilson boat, and that he's English and that he'll probably score goals. Um yeah, you know, it's it's not a huge sort of uh, you know it's not a hugely kind of tantalising set of, of names on the table. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would say probably because the club don't want to spend money, it's uh, it's probably going to be someone like like a loan, maybe Higuarin and on loan for the rest of the season. The problem is though, and and this is where you kind of get to realise that that other clubs don't make their players is that there appears to be, and I, you know again this is something that some agents have told me that, that you know Juventus are pushing for a compulsory buy option in the summer which you know basically means that we're just delaying the transfer until the summer so they're clearly trying to get rid of him so they can't think too highly um, 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 of the player so you know he's obviously at Milan at the moment so you know trying to get rid of him really as, as soon as possible and that, that always is a bit of an alarm bell for me so you know Higuain and Benzema yeah again you know another player who again never really had a fantastic goal scoring record uh, at least when he's been sort of the you know the main main guy and you know again are we are we getting another player in who's who's in decline you know we seem to be specialists in, in getting players in who who were on the <laughs> other side of that kind of you know that, that development curve so you know if if I was in charge the thing is you know you're you're not going to get a world class player um, in January and and Chelsea need a world class striker so you're never really going to feel that need completely so you either go let's say try, you try and do something clever. So let's say Andre Silva, uh, a guy that I like, who's on loan at Sevilla um, from Milan. You know, you, you do something with Morata to Sevilla and you do something about, I don't know, Sevilla mandatory purchase Silva and then the send him to Chelsea or something like that. Might be a little bit creative, a little bit outside the box. Or you just take a, uh, take a gamble on one of these sort of young guns in Europe. So you go and look at someone like Luka Jovic, um, at Eintracht Frankfurt, who is... You know, what's he got sort of uh, 17 goals in 23 games this season. I mean, he's got a fantastic scoring record, you know, and also the the kind of the style of player, the profile of player that, that potentially would work at Chelsea. Yes, again, it's a gamble because this is his first first season of, of real, real high-quality form. But, you know, I often feel that sometimes Chelsea wait a little bit too long to get these guys and then they end up at a club that you can never buy them from. So, you know, you either take an educated guest on someone like a Jovic or a Silva or one of these younger strikers and try and bring them in and, and, and hopefully that they can fire you to the to sort of the top four positions or you're going to get someone like Higuarin on loan who you know he may or may not work out but if he doesn't work out it's going to be a spectacular failure or you invest massively in someone like Callum Wilson hopefully he does the job and then he can move to being a number two next season but I make you completely right for 50 million pounds 
you know, I, I want at least a, a striker who's shown the ability to get 15, 20 goals a season in the Prem. You know, I think we paid, what, £15 million for an Elka. I mean, I get, granted, that was a, obviously quite a while ago, but, you know, you've you got a value with him, someone who's proven goal-scoring goal in the Premier League. So it's it's a bit of a tricky one. I, mean, I can understand why the club are, are finding it difficult to find someone, but I think it gets to the point now where they just have to make a decision and go with it because, you know, the longer that we play without a striker, the more Eden plays that position, you know, the, the less kind of... Uh, I think that the less threatening we look overall. So, you know, the club have to, in my opinion, make a decision on who they want to go with, whether that's a loan for someone like Higuarin or Benzema, go all in on Callum Wilson or try and get one of these younger players in. But, you know, they have to make the decision soon because, yeah, sure, it's the, you know, it's the 12th of January today, but we both know that this transfer window will, will come up very, very quickly and we'll be scrambling around for a striker with three days to go, as we tend to do in most windows. Yep. Yep, agreed. Um, when you bring up young gun strikers, uh, there was a name that floated around in the beginning. Uh, Piatek, there's another name that's floating around that people want to know about, and that's Timo Werner. Um, what 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 about? Oh, and then and then uh, I think Nini put out a video about uh, Dries Merton. Like these three other names that are are are. are is there any traction to any of them? Uh, you know. I, I, if Nini said it, obviously, that there is traction or there is something with Dries Merton, but just something about negotiating with Napoli again, it just seems like it's going to be another year and a half to sign uh, an aging Dries Merton. Yeah. But, I mean, guys like Piatek uh, and Timo Werner, um, anything with those two? Yeah, I mean, I think Werner is, is one that probably the club are definitely looking at. Um and this is a guy who's hit 20 goals at least, I think, in, in the Bundesliga for the past three seasons. Well on course for doing that again this season. Some questions a little bit about his mentality. Um, you know, he's, I think he suffers from vertigo and, he, you know, there's a little bit of a something, there's something not 110% right with him at the moment. Because I think, again, you know, looking at his form the past three seasons, if he was 100%, he'd probably be at Bayern Munich. But, you know, if, again, if, if you're... If you're going to take a, a, a wager on someone, then this is a guy who's who's proven, you know, he, the way that he would play at Chelsea. I think he would probably be the perfect player to buy. Great stylistic fit in terms of a in terms of a four three three as as kind of someone who's going to spearhead the attack. Great goal scoring record, really, really good finisher, um, physical enough to, to play in, in the Prem. Definitely good enough to link up play. You know, he's he's a really really good player. Um, Piatek, I think, is, is the interesting one because. You know, he's a, he's a little bit like Luka Jovic in that he's kind of sort of come out of nowhere again this season. Um, you know, a, a sort of general first season, 21 games, 19 goals in Serie A already. Uh, oh, sorry, just in in the uh, for Genoa this season, which is pretty decent. You know, his league record is uh, he's got 13 goals in 19 games. So again, very very good goal scoring record. But you know, the sort of the questions will be again. You know, are you buying a a one-season wonder, or are you buying someone who's going to kick on and become like the next Lewandowski? So he he kind of he and you know, maybe to an extent Werner kind of fall into the same bucket as, as someone like Luka Jovic, uh, where the the possibility to buy a superstar is there, but you know it's it's not a guaranteed thing. So it's kind of whether you're comfortable with Chelsea actually trying to do something smart by going for one of these young players, and and if it doesn't work out, then kind of at least they tried, but. If they do buy them, they do kick on. Then you're looking at you know buying the next superstar in, in world football. So that's mm. kind of the mentality that I'd like to have. I'd like Chelsea to really maybe push for one of these younger players, bring them in now, and, and see what they do for the rest of the season. With the idea being, obviously, 
next year they will really sort of kick on. But you know, I, I feel that given the the way the club operates, that a loan signing for someone like Higuain is probably the most likely um, thing that we'll see. He's already worked with Sari. Sari obviously knows him well. Um, you know, it's it's just really for me a question of whether there's a mandatory buy option because I wouldn't want to be lumbered with someone who probably. I think I read something from from Gabriel Marcotti that he'd probably be one of the highest earning players in the Premier League. You know, if, if he came to uh, if he came to Chelsea, and given the fact that you know he's he's 31, you know he'll be uh, you know 32 sort of December next season, and he's not exactly you know in uh, a kind of player that's really sort of looked after himself throughout his career. So you know, is he going to be in sort of a, a huge decline on a massive contract? We've seen it before with some Chelsea players. So you know, it's a question for me of of, of what the club wants to do, but. They have to make a decision. Um, you know, my, my preference would be to just just go for one of these younger guys that are scoring goals, bring them in, bit of bit of different energy, bit of a different profile to what we've seen before. Um, I don't think the club are going to do that. I think my my bet, if I was a gambling man, um, probably see someone like uh, Higuain, maybe Callum Wilson at the club in January. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh my God! So I. <sighs> Where does this leave Mishi in all of this? Is there any, like, even any possibility of just letting Mishi ride out as our striker in a, in a core of Mishi, Giroud, I mean, shit, even Hazard as, as our three strikers and hope for the best for Champions League? I mean, if, if, the, if the alternative is to spend £50 million on Callum Wilson or get Higuain in and have to buy him, I mean, I, I would personally stick with Mishi. Um, Mm. The concerns with 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 Batshuayi, and, and this is something I've heard from from a number of people within football, is that he just he just doesn't listen to instructions. And you know, when you look at his his natural ability to score goals, I mean, he's an excellent finisher. And some of some of his link up play when it's kind of natural is is fantastic. I think back to the Brighton goal that he was involved in. Nice just his, his general finishing and his instincts are great, but. The thing is now is that you know particularly when you're you're playing as a striker in a team that presses, you know you have to you have to understand the, the pressing triggers and you have to understand that you've got to work and close down passing lanes and you know you need to be in certain positions where the ball is. And I think what you've seen particularly at Valencia, we saw it to an extent with with why Borussia Dortmund didn't want to actually buy Batshuayi, why he never really succeeded at Chelsea. Is there's a a common thread and there's a common thing that I've heard from particularly from scouts that I know within the game, they, they tell me that the, the common thing they hear about him is he just doesn't listen to instructions or doesn't take them on board, doesn't apply them during the game. So, you know, if uh, very basic. If Batshuayi needs to be on the right, he's on the left. If he needs to be on the left, he's on the right. If he needs to be in the middle, he's at the back. I mean, it's, you know, it's it, it may seem quite minuscule. It may seem, seem a very small detail because for me personally, the guy scores goals, so just put him in the team. But when you're so into your kind of tactical setups and particularly Conte and, and, and sorry to a certain extent, they have a lot of uh, pattern play and they have a lot of, you know, kind of uh, movements of players determining where the ball is, etc. So you really have to kind of know what you're doing. Um, the fact that Batshuayi is never really where he's supposed to be is a big red flag. And that, that's why I think he, he won't actually crack it really at a top club. You know, the, the big, the big alarm was, you know, he went to Dortmund and he was fantastic, you know, scoring, scoring, scoring. And yet they didn't want him, you know, so, um, that that for me was was kind of a confirmation. I think he's probably going to end up at Monaco, probably on loan, maybe a sale. Um, one of these again, you know, what we spent on like, thirty five million pounds him. Another yeah. very very big um, big outlay on a player that never really hit the ground here or never really got the opportunity. But you know, sometimes sometimes that's how it works out. But again, 
you know, if it was up to me, you know, I, I would just say Batchway, look, I don't care about all the tactical stuff, just be in the penalty area when we have the ball because, you know, I, I keep looking at the, at the statistics. We've created the second most chances in the league this season. I would bet probably everything that I own that Batshuayi scores a lot more goals than Morata in this team. I don't care if he listens to instructions or not, but, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that the club, I think the club have got it in their heads that they want to sell him or, or get rid of him. And, you know, I think we'll see him go again, either on loan or permanently this window. You would even bet that shiny Ferrari that you have downstairs. Yeah, unfortunately, the uh, what's it, 160% sales tax on cars in Denmark, I don't have <laughs> So he said, what Joe is saying, that he has a Ferrari in all the continents, in all countries. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He just doesn't have it in Denmark because he says, fuck the police. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, my God. we This club, man. Jesus Christ. I wrote down a question that I need to ask you because I have it in a in a in a sec in a section that there were some questions about that. But I need like, is there what why just from a business perspective, like what the hell? Like, but, all right, the argument oh, <clears throat> we're gonna be jumping ahead a little bit, but this argument that uh, others have made that you know this old way of thinking that these players are just players and it's the coach and blah, blah, blah. And there's an authoritative figure. And I tell you what to do. What like these players are assets. So my question is what the hell is going on in the boardroom, in the player? uh, What's the right word in, in, in the scouting department that we keep just, stubbing our toe on these transfers on these guys like don't get me wrong i don't i don't have a problem with the transfer that we did last year for Giroud. he was an aging player and what did we what did we spend on him it was like 15 it was almost nothing for 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 a striker in january it was almost nothing i don't have a problem with that 18 month contract what's the worst that can happen you know, he's gone in 18 months and we spent nothing. It's a low investment on an asset that could pay off dividends. But what is the, what, what, like, Joe, talk to me. Like, why do we consistently do these business deals that just seem so amateur? Like, it just seems like somebody like me from the outside that knows nothing about football business, that is just approaching these situations and looking at the big picture with simply simple logic. It just seems like, man, if I was in that position, I would be doing things a little bit different. Like, what is it? What is it? So, I mean, I think it's probably important to, to talk a little bit about the scouting department. So, back maybe 2013, 14, I'm, I'm not sure on, on the exact date, Chelsea hired a guy called Scott McLaughlin, who, I mean, really, when you look at his CV, I mean, it's very nondescript. You know, he was working at Fulham, and I think he'd worked at maybe some other sort of slightly lowerish, uh, lowerish clubs. And he made the jump from Fulham to become Chelsea's basically head of international scouting. Jesus so, Christ. Kind of, what, what I've been told is, is that he... He kind of sold the club this vision of, of buying like British players and that he could get maximum value and start getting a lot of these really good players and cheap so they wouldn't have to sell a lot of money and you know he'd buy a lot of British players and all this sort of stuff that he kind of 
sold on this vision of, of you know, being a, a top club with, with, you know, paying sort of bottom dollar money. Um, and he's been in place for, for a long period of time now. And, you know, when you look at signings like Danny Drinkwater, like you look at people like Ross Barkley, um, you look at some of sort of the more kind of bottom bottom feeling teams. I mean, the, the one that always gets me is that, you know, that that great Monaco team that had all those fantastic players in that everyone pillaged that summer. We were the one team to look at them and, and we didn't think, you know what, we don't want Mbappe. We don't want uh, Mendy. We don't want Bernardo Silva. We don't want Fabinho. We don't want all of these great players. We want Timo Bakayoko. And, and that, that to me is, is that's the benchmark of, of what Chelsea are doing as a club is we are looking we're looking at this incredibly talented Monaco team. And, you know, I mean, Bernardo Silva is playing fantastically well. Um, City, obviously, I mean, Mbappe is a superstar. No, Mendy's, Mendy's a good player. Sadiba is a good player. Fabinho is doing well. You know, all of these players that have left. But Chelsea have looked at that team and, and said, yep, we're going to go for Bakayoko. And, and, you know, he is proven to be by far the worst player from that team that, that sort of moved uh, elsewhere. And, and that, that's kind of symptomatic of, of kind of what we're doing as a club in, in the transfer market. You know, we, we rarely compete for the top players anymore these days. We would rather spend, you know, let's say we've got £150 million to spend. Instead of going and getting a superstar like Mbappe, we'd rather spread it over four, five, six players. And, you know, it's an approach that, that Tottenham took when they tried to replace Gareth Bale for all of that money. They brought in about four players or four or five players to replace Gareth Bale. And it, it never really kind of works out that way in football. It's not quite moneyable where you can maybe replace a reduction of, of a guy by, by getting in three or four different players. You know, you can't you can't replace the, the superstar quality that Gareth Bale had. And that's really kind of what Chelsea have been doing. Even someone like Rudiger, who, you know, if you, if you remember at the time, Chelsea also wanted Virgil van Dijk. Yep. We didn't want to pay the, the 70, 75 million pounds for him. So we paid the 35, whatever it was for, for Rudiger. We will always go for the the kind of entry-level option. We won't really go for the top-level option. So it's interesting when we departed, obviously, I mean, we went and bought Kepa because I think Kepa's been phenomenal. But that should be a, a, a beacon to the club. And, that, you know, if you buy top players, you get a top player at the club. If you, if you try and be clever and you try and be smart all the time, you know, I, I can't think of a, a deal really that we've done where we've tried to be smart, tried to be clever, that's really sort of worked out in our favour. You know, um, we, we're lumbered with you know, Danny Drinkwater on 100 grand a week, or you know, he's on 80,000, 90,000 pounds, whatever he's on, you know, taking selfies and liking liking Instagram posts. That's basically his day job at the moment. So, you know, that, all of that's these, not a bad gig either. It's not bad. I mean, it's a fact, I'd love to do it myself personally, but you know, it's, uh, you know, but we, we seem to have accrued a squad of players who who really, they, they're just squad options. You know, there's, there's no one really, if you look at Chelsea teams maybe 10 years ago, you've got, Ballers. 14, 15 players who can put their hand up every week and say, I should be starting. I'm good enough to start for a team that wants to play in Europe. I'm good enough for a team that wants to win the Premier League. At the moment, you know, I don't think we've, we've, we've barely got any that can really put the hand up and say, yeah, I'm good enough to challenge for a title and I'm good enough to be in the semi-finals of the Champions League. And that, that's the level that Chelsea should be at. You know, at the moment, we're str- we, we struggle to play in two competitions in one season. So, you know, we've kind of got to this point where through this, this kind of vision from this Scott McLachlan guy, and also from the fact that I think that the board as well, you know, they, they take player recommendations in, you know, so someone recommends, oh, yeah, no, this, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a player, we want the summer, oh, um, Marcos Alonso's 
know, he, he's uh, he's reports to Kia Jarabchen or one of these sort of super agents has got a player that they recommend. And because for some reason we want to maintain really good relations with them, we get this dross player in like Pato on loan or Falcao on loan or all these kind of weird things that we've done over the past few years to sort of keep these super agents happy. Um, but it, it's, it's all a bit of a mess. And, you know, when you come down to, to where the, you know, where the squad is at the moment, Sari does not have a great deal of quality available to him. And, you know, nor did Conte really last season, but that was more to do with Conte performing than, than, you know, the, the sort of the, the players that they offered him in, in the summer. So, but there has to be some sort of compromise here because, you know, I, I did some calculations the other day, but we spent about eight, eight to nine hundred million pounds, you know, since since like 2013, 2014. A billion dollars. Fortune, a know, billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. We spend that on players and I'm not taking all this sort of net spend nonsense into consideration that we've we physically gone and spent that in the market to buy players. And, you know, it's it's a. Uh, you know, looking at the squad now, you think like, where, where is it? You know, where is all of that investment gone? Um, you know, we spend an awful lot of money every single summer, um, every single season. We're spending big money on players, and yet, you know, you look at the, you look at the kind of the squad, the composition of the squad, and we've only really got Eden Hazard as a star player. You know, Kante is is good in his own right. You know, whether he's a, a superstar midfielder, I'm a little bit less less inclined to say he is than other people. But I mean, th- those are kind of your two players. You know, we used to have 13, 14 of them. We've got maybe two. So, you know, there's, there's a huge, huge decline in quality and it, it comes from the strategy or the, or the lack of strategy that the club has. Um, you know, it's not necessarily about having a director of football because if they're there, you know, would the club listen to them anyway? It's one of those sort of things. But, yeah, you know, from, from having this, this scouting guy, this, this Scott McLachlan, this vision of, of getting, you know, players of this sort of quality rather than going for the top tier and, and also this kind of player deal stuff that, that the, the that kind of board does. It's, it's easy to see kind of where we are, but, you know, it's, it's only going to be one of those things that changes maybe in the summer, but you just have to hope that the club have looked at Kepa, seen the outlet and seen the quality they've got back in and realised, actually, do you know what, you know, we're, we're spending fortunes on players, why don't we just, you know, instead of buying two or three sort of okay players, why don't we just buy one really good one? And I think the one thing about this window which will irritate me is that if we've spent £60 million on Pulisic and we don't buy a striker, and that, that to me is, is again nothing on Pulisic, but we've spent we've spent a huge huge amount of money on a player that should have gone on, on a striker. So you know we have to bring a, we have to bring a forward in because again you know we've spent sixty million pounds. If we spent another forty million, we probably could have got Icardi or we could have got someone really really fantastic. If we don't get that player into the squad this uh, this January, then again it comes back down to the board. You know are they doing the best by the club and. Uh, yeah, you know, are they really going in the direction that, that we as fans want them to do? We want, we want the squad to be fantastic, but you know, the, the club seems to be going in a slightly different direction. I really, really, really wish this club uh, was held liable um, if they had stakeholders uh, in a traditional sense where we can actually vote on members of the board and stuff like that, like in a, like in a traditional uh, company where they're, they're liable uh, to do right by the club because fuck man like I all this money that is spent on these players like Danny Drinkwater like like I don't mind I give Ross Barkley a ton of shit but Ross Barkley is our third choice left center mid and he was bought for what 15 million uh, again I don't have a problem with that type of money but the amount of money that we spent on just random ass players for then what? And then here's the best part. 
Here's the best part. We spent all this money getting youth players in, and but we break the rules, and now we're going to get kicked in the ass with a transfer ban, and then we don't even play play the players that we, that we bent and broke rules for to get them in. Like, it just seems ass backwards right now, and I just wish that somebody, whether it's Roman, whether it's Marina, whether it's uh, Bruce Buck, whether, whoever it is, they could just see... Like, this is not how you conduct business. There's there's a there's a saying that, you know, you buy once, you cry once. And right now, we're not buying once. We're buying four or five different times to fix a fuck-up that we could have just replaced one time. And that's the scary thing about losing Eden Hazard. We lose Eden Hazard. Do you really and truly trust this board to do the right thing, to bring in the right player? I personally don't. I personally no, don't. I think that's, the, that's sort of the, the reality of where we are as a club is that there is very little faith in those running it to do the right thing. You now, even again, this, you know, coming into this window, as I said, you know, if we if we don't go now and go and sign a centre forward and we've spent £60 million on a guy that can't even play for us until next season, it, it's kind of a question of, you know, you don't have to know really know about football. You don't have to have an understanding, coaching badges. That's business, dude. That's business. It, it's it's the most basic concepts. We need goals now, so let's get goals now. I mean, it's it's not the most difficult equation. You don't need a, an economics masters to to figure this out. So, you know, I, I think that the proof will be be at the end of January. Just just how I suppose how well run this this club is because. You know, it's, it's all well and good, as I said, buying Pulisic. But if that money, £60 million, could have bought us a really, you know, I, I imagine could have got us a pretty decent striker. Could definitely got us Timo Werner or someone like that, for example. Um, and we don't get someone in, we get someone in on loan, we get someone maybe who's not very good. You know, you're, you're again looking at the ball, scratching your head and thinking, look, you know, we as, as normal fans with very little understanding of this business side of football can see that, We've desperately needed a striker, and yet you've invested sixty million pounds in a player that can't play until next year, when that clearly should have been used now. So it's you know it's it's a tough it's going to be a tough couple of uh, weeks for the club because yeah it's all it's all positive on, on the Pulisic front until you realise actually you know if we don't get a striker in now then, then that top four finish is, is really relying on, on you know Man United slowing down a bit and Arsenal maintaining this this kind of ropey form because yeah, and us winning Europa and us yeah. winning Europa I mean. Exactly, yeah. Just on the business front, okay, we've already spoken about what Pulisic brings outside of the pitch. But if we fail to qualify for Champions League next year, which there is, okay, forget the prestige, forget all of that, what it means on the pitch. Off the pitch, there's financial incentives for being in the Champions League. So you bought a dude. They can't even help you get into the Champions League. So whatever financial incentives he is bringing off the pitch is mitigated and, and it, because you're losing money by not being in the Champions League. Like, I don't understand. I, I, I personally under, don't understand, but I just look at people forget Liverpool sold their best player in January and it didn't mean shit to them. Whether or not on the field that was true or not, but they sold arguably or their best player, however which way you want to rank them, and it didn't mean a goddamn thing. Are we that club? I don't think so. We lose our best player, we're fucked. So, 
Uh, uh, moving on. The magic man, the 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 prince of Stamford Bridge, Colum Hudson Adoy. And first, I want to say this: I got a ton of questions about him. A majority of questions, well, mm, nah, they're all spread out. But he did get a huge chunk of questions. Shout out to the homie Doomy Drexler. He did a Colum Hudson Adoy edit. And somehow, some way, it made its way to Callum Hudson Adoy, and he actually uh, uses it uses it in his uh, timeline on Snapchat. Hold on, Joe. I might have a situation here. Uh, see that? What the hell? I'm supposed to be. All right, I think we're good. All right, we're good. We're good. Fuck it. We're right into the wheels fall off. So, Colin Hudson Adoy. First question: Do you think he's going to sign his? He uh, is going to sign a new deal. Tough one. Um, oh boy! <laughs> Come on, so, Joe. Come on, give me some positivity, Joe. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it, it's cut and dry. Um, I mean, for for. I mean, in terms of sort of pushing for, I think the player doesn't really mind staying. I think he'd probably quite like to stay. I think there are, there are people, let's say, in his entourage, and I, I can't name names on this one, but let's just say in an entourage around him. Okay. Um, but that's that been are, the story. That's been the story. That the people around him are the ones yeah. that are pushing him to Germany. But that's yeah. been the story. And yeah. and from what I understand, they're perfectly within their right to believe. I mean, we just finished kicking you know like talking shit about the board and and questioning the board and we at least me i'm this far removed i can only imagine what his people who actually are closer to this situation than i am are you know and they actually see the comings and goings what they're thinking so i mean keep going keep going yeah so it's a particular person in, in his entourage that's really pushing for the move to, to buy munich and you know, Munich have, have been very clever. They've, you know, you, you've probably seen the stuff about them offering the, him the number ten shirt. Yeah. You know, Robin, Robin and Ribery are, are pretty much done now in, in Munich. So, you know, it's it's a guaranteed pathway into a, Let's be honest, a club that are, are better than Chelsea at this point in time. You know, a, a guaranteed starting place, probably on the left hand side as well. So, I mean, they've they've done everything really kind of by the book in terms of how they've sold the the, the position to to, to Callum. Um, the problem is, and you know, uh, you see a lot of Chelsea fans talking about, you know, we're offering more money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's not really about the money for him; it's about the playing time. And you know, he's he's grown up at a club and he's looked at so many players before him, really, really good players who have not been given any kind of opportunity. And, and we've seen it this season. The the only time he started playing is when the noises started coming out about Bayern Munich looking to bid for him in January. That's the only reason that he started playing games for the club. He was a complete non-factor from being probably the the brightest player we had in pre-season to, to now. You know, he's I mean he's he's barely getting a kick, and you know this isn't. I think people will often kind of mistake the the, the quality that we have in the squad. You know, this isn't Ruben Loftus Cheek at seventeen. Let's say he was coming through in a time when we had you know peak Frank Lampard, peak Michael Balak, Deco, John Obi Mikel, Makaleli, Michael S. I mean he's not competing with that level of player. He's got. Two players who were the wrong side of 30, who have both not played particularly well this season ahead of him. And that's why he's looking at them thinking, you know what, Like I, I believe in my ability, I should be playing more. 
and, and having that mentality, you know, it's, it's not arrogant. He's not this sort of like prissy prima donna kind of teenager who, who wants the world thrown at him. I think he's just taking a realistic take at what's ahead of him. And, you know, let's be perfectly honest. This, this window, Juventus uh, inquired about him, Bayern came in with a concrete offer. You've got two of the best clubs in Europe trying to buy him. And he's barely kickable for Chelsea. Now, that should tell you everything. If you're not a firm believer in the guy's talent, that should tell you everything you really need to know. Munich are one of the best-run clubs in the world. And Juventus don't spend money on people unless they really, really believe in the player. So, you know, that, that is, a, is a testament to, to his ability. And yet again this season, we, we've seen, you know, loads, so many people playing ahead of him. I think, you know, people getting on the bench ahead of him. I think there was even a time with Victor Moses who, yep. you know, is, is so far out of favour with the club, made it to the bench ahead of Hudson Odoi. So, you know, you can't you can't blame the player for not believing that the, the kind of the the story that Chelsea are now trying to spin about you know how he's going to get more playing time and, and how they're going to kind of phase him into the squad because it's not just really about him. It's yeah, you know, there are so many players. We can go back to Loftus Cheek at seventeen. You know, over the next three years of him spending time at Chelsea, he played the equivalent of eleven games of football in, in a three three four year period. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous given how 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 talented he was at 17 and, and how high profile he was. You know, Nathaniel Chaloba, again, absolutely zero minutes. Nathan Ake barely played here. You know, there, there's so many players now that are leaving from this group of youngsters who are going on and being Premier League players, going on to be international footballers because they're leaving Chelsea, not because they're sticking around and, and playing behind senior players for some kind of weird, misguided reason. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't blame him for... for you know, making the most of the situation because, you know, he at the moment is utilising obviously the interest in playing to get some playing time. I think he's played pretty well. I'd like to see him play a bit more regularly because, you know, he needs to get up to speed of first in football. He needs to get that rhythm um, in his game. But go back to the opening question, you know, you've got William who I think really, even even with the goal today, William has been absolutely dreadful for most of this season. Yep. Pedro again is, you know, a one in 10 player. Um, and, and even Hazard, you know, Hazard hasn't been firing on cylinders all season pretty much because he's a one-man team. So, you know, there have been opportunities to play him. Um, there have definitely been opportunities to give him more minutes. So, you know, I, I don't really blame him for taking the position that he has. And, you know, there will be a lot more players coming through in the next few years who look at Chelsea and think, you know what, I'll, I'll go play elsewhere. You know, Reese James is another guy at the moment. He's absolutely tearing up the championship. The championship messy. Somebody, somebody I know... <laughs> Somebody yeah. I, that uh, that I respect very highly dubbed him the championship Messi. Yeah. You know, whenever you see these graphs of Messi's attacking up against, you know, every other player, he's always this kind of massive outlier, like in the top right. He's miles ahead of everyone. And, you know, there, there was a, a graph that came out recently about, you know, Reese James's attacking output. And he's kind of like in the Messi position compared to all the other right backs in the championship. So, yeah, you know, but he, he, we've got him. He's another great example of, of someone who... Does he want to come back next season and sit behind Aspilicueta for the next five years? You know, again, you're looking at a modern as a modern right back who can attack, who can get forward, who can defend, who's definitely physical enough. You know, he's not going to want to sit. So, you know, there, there are going to be quite a few of these players. Mason Mount is another, you know, another player who can come back next season. You know, is he going to sit behind whoever Chelsea, let's say, buy? You know, for either even the midfield positions. He's another guy, you know, Fikio Tomore maybe won't get a shot here, but he's definitely, definitely probably good enough to be a squad player. Olerena, again, you know, finding his feet in Italy this season. Um, there's, there's, there's so many examples, but the thing is with hudson Doy is that, you know, this, this guy could be a superstar, you know, and that's the, the real kind of kicker for Chelsea is that this guy potentially, 
you know, let's say Hazard does go, Hudson Odoi could maybe fill that position, and he could be a homegrown kid. You know, probably yes. a little, little, little more direct than 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 Eden on the left hand side. Probably will score more goals if he if he fulfills his potential. But you know, to lose him because of of how the club has been run for the past you know ten years is is really maybe maybe the club needs to lose someone of that of that ability. You know, they lost Dom Solanke and it didn't quite pan out. Yeah, you know he's he's still a Premier League footballer and he's he's you know he's played for England etc. But hopefully he goes on and and, and maybe develops more and, and sort of progresses in his career. But you know if they lose Hudson Odoi to Bayern Munich and he goes on and becomes this absolute superstar player, you know that they've only really got themselves to blame. So it's it's a tricky situation for the club. Um, I don't particularly have much uh, sympathy for them because. Obviously, I mean, people know me for being a very big advocate for, for for good for good academy players, and I should stress this: people seem to think that I want a team of like under tens playing every week. It's, it's, you mean it's you like, don't? No. Well, maybe at the moment it wouldn't be too bad, but I mean, it's you know, it's always about the, the best and brightest. Just getting a fair opportunity. It's you know, being able to have a bad game and still start the next game, like a lot of first team players. It's having that that ability to to do that rather than having to be like a fifteen out of ten to just get on the subs bench. So. That's that's really what I'm I'm about in terms of my mentality. But for for Hudson Odoi, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting one because you know he's 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 very friendly with Jaden Sancho. Obviously, that that's something that, that's going to be factored into it. He's also very friendly with Jonathan Panzo, who is now starting to to break into the the Monaco matchday squad. He was on yep. the bench at the weekend. You know, he's already made his professional debut at 17 um, for Monaco in the cup. So you know, he's already starting to get into their team. So. There's, there's a lot of things that are counting against the club here, and really they, they only have themselves to blame. We continually hear that these kids are not ready, they're not good, and well, not maybe no, they're not good enough, but they're not ready. And yet, you know, week after week, we watch you know, first team players, international footballers, play three out of tens, four out of tens, and, and play the next game. So, you know, I think he's the first one to really look at what the club is saying, challenge it with a decision. That there's obviously there's, there's concrete um, interest in him from from Bayern Munich, and he's going to make the most of it. So. You know, I think at the moment it's it's still a bit too early to tell whether he's going to stay or go. I wouldn't necessarily read into the reports about him indefinitely turning down the contract, etc. I think Chelsea will will definitely try and keep hold of him until the summer, um, and then then it kind of depends on whether they uh, can convince him enough to stay. But you know, it, it's a tough one because you know Callum is a is a Chelsea boy. It's his club. He's a Chelsea fan. He's grown up at the club. This is the club that he wants to be at. You can tell in his interviews how how excited he is to play for Chelsea. So it would be a big move for him to step away from that. But that kind of shows you how he thinks about the club, that he's, he's willing to move to Germany, to move to an absolutely enormous club to get first in football. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a mess. You know, it's not going to be the first time that this happens. It might be the most high profile case of it happening. But, you know, part of me hopes that he stays and, and that he signs a new contract. But it's really down to the club. You either play him or, or let him go. I just and, the, and you know what the sad thing is so we let him go he becomes a superstar part of me believes that it wouldn't matter to the those make the decision makers within the club it wouldn't be an indictment on how they're running a club the, the club it wouldn't it wouldn't they're like oh well it, you know it didn't work out as opposed to you know you failed I, I just don't I, I look at it the the, the the academy who again I'm just a guy but from everything that I'm reading that our academy Chelsea's academy is one of the best if not the best in Europe um 
and you're producing assets that are going to save your business money and you consistently don't play them, forcing you to go out and buy players to spend more money. I, I, I just don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. What Callum Hudson-Odoi, well, how much is his contract on the table worth? Like weekly wages, has that number? Those numbers come out or no? Or they're out, but those are in the I, no, I mean, no them. I've, I've, I've heard some figures, and it's 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 not like silly, silly money, but it, it's pretty significant for a player of his age. Yeah, it's, okay. it's definitely not a question of of Bayern Munich offering him more money. So. Okay, no, no. So my line of thinking is, so they let Callum Hudson Odoi go. I mean, keep in mind whatever hazard you know his situation. But let's say that Hazard leaves, it's Odoi that's going to be potentially taken over well you let him go the guy that you're gonna have to get to replace Callum Hudson-Odoi is gonna be making significantly amount more, uh, more money I would imagine than Callum Hudson-Odoi I would imagine yeah. a 20 something year old guy is gonna require a starting left winger is gonna require way more money than an 18 year old and for what like that that's bad business again I love sports it's more than a business but I, I look at it also from a business perspective. And again, it's just bad business to go to, to, to the way we're running right now is way too wild, way too reckless. I, I'm all right. So I guess so. Callum Hudson Odoi is a special player. Let's say, okay, he's gone. We lose him. Is there anybody else in the academy that I. I mean, to say that he's on his level, I'm not willing to say that. But is there anybody, any other prospects that we have? And should we be worrying about that prospect following the steps of Callum Hudson-Odoi? Looking at his situation going, I don't know. I think that they're, uh, it's an interesting time. I mean, just some uh, a small piece of, of information with people. But in the summer, Chelsea had two um, England scholars or two England players in their age groups, they turn down professional terms of Chelsea to sign for other clubs because they don't think that there's any kind of way for them to play first and put for Chelsea. Now, if players start doing that at like 15, then that's when you start, kind of the alarm bells start ringing. So, you know, we're, we're starting to see some of that talent leave the, leave the academy even earlier now because they don't believe that they're going to uh, get any sort of chances. But, you know, I think, I think besides from... From Hudson Odoi, I mean, you know, the, the thing with him is that he's he's really made for a position of need, which is not always often the case. I mean, you know, I, I could say, I mean, I, I think Reese James is is good enough to be a Chelsea's right back, but you know, Aspilicueta is Chelsea's captain, and everyone picks Aspilicueta because he, you know, he's Mr. Consistent. So Reese James is never going to get a game over him, even though I think actually, you know, if you were to play Reese James for a season, he'd probably be better than Aspilicueta within a year. Um, you know, Mason Mount is another one I think potentially could slip away looking at, at the way Chelsea are going. Um, I think that they're, they're, those for me, they're, they're kind of the two big ones. Um, I mean, there's also a question of obviously of whether Ruben stays as well. So if you're looking at Ruben, Ruben Mason and, and maybe Rhys James, I mean, you've got three players who uh, are definitely good enough to play for Chelsea, come through the academy, um, you know, kind of proven themselves in, in various forms of football now that I think potentially could leave because... Again, you know, are they going to get the chances that they might get elsewhere? Oh my God! So, hi, hi. This is this is a disaster. This is a disaster, and we and 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 we still have more. If it was just the academy, 
it would be one thing. But this is just a reflection of of an overall. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. I, I guess I don't follow other clubs. I follow Chelsea. My my focus, my energy is on Chelsea. So I it, I don't hear about other clubs operating like this. I, and, I, and I'm sure they do. I'm sure there's plenty of other clubs that have their their issues and their problems. I mean, look at Manchester United. They 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 are a true disaster. But it just seems like, damn, like we we. We're right there. I, I thought we were supposed to like. I, I felt like I was sold a bill of goods. Like, like I was told this team is supposed to be elite. Like, this is not how a business like operates when they're elite. Like, this it just doesn't make sense to me. I I don't know. I don't know. So, Kalamatsu Odoi is getting a ton of media on, and Chelsea's getting a rightfully so. They're getting a ton of shit for not playing him. What about? Guys, like, 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 do you believe it, it, it seems like there isn't the same amount of push for a guy like uh, Ampadu? Um, it's somebody wants to know do what, 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 what factors are in play there. I think with, with Ampadu, there's a question really around what position he plays in the first team. And, mm. and my, my personal opinion is I, th- I think he's a holding midfielder, but he's not holding midfielder in the system because holding midfielder is a ball player, it's a Jorginho type player. And yeah, I, I think he's he's good at centre back, but I don't know. I feel he's a little bit. I don't want to say undersized, but there's there's something, you know, fit, sort of physicality wise. I, I think he needs to, to grow a little bit. I mean, keep forgetting he's still incredibly young. Seventeen. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, he needs for me to, to grow and fill out a little bit more. I think to play there. You know, as a teenager in the Premier League, it's quite a big ask to play as a centre half. So. You know, we, we've seen him deputise for Kante in the right central midfield spot, and I think he played pretty well. And once he kind of grew into the role, but it's a question really of, of I don't think at the moment there is a very clear sort of puzzle piece that, that or a piece of the puzzle that kind of Ampadu sits in. You know, he's he's not quite a Kante, he's not quite a Jorginho, and maybe there's there's not the trust in him to play as a centre back. Personally, I, I think he's he's more than good enough to play for Chelsea now um, in any of those positions, but. It's obviously it's up to Sari and, and what Sari thinks at the end of the day. And you know, if he doesn't believe that that oh. Ampadu is, is good enough to play, you know, as a holding player, as, as the right central midfielder, um, or or even as the as the guy at the back, then that that's that's becoming quite clear. And I think what was interesting was after today's game, he mentioned that you know Jorginho, he probably would have subbed him off had Fabregas been on the bench, but he doesn't feel that there's a player that can that can play there, which obviously means that. He doesn't see Kante being able to play there or Ampadu. So, you know, you've kind of written off one of the positions for him that he could probably play in this system. So it's either play instead of Kante, which we know is probably not going to happen, um, or play him at centre-back. And at the moment, he's probably fourth choice. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough. Um, but, but, you know, that's that's the reality of being a youngster at Chelsea. Is, you know, you are seen, you know, in most cases, a bit of a second-class citizen, which is unfortunate. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, the, I mean, this takes me into the next part. The, our academy could, I mean, it could help with the homegrown quota. I mean, Cahill's in doubt. Victor Moses is, I mean, well, I say Cahill's in doubt, meaning Cahill's future is not at the club. Victor Moses' future, not at the club. We just lost Cesc Fabregas, who goes for, um, who counted towards the homegrown quota. You had Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's, you know, f- future's in doubt. Drink water. So, I guess, like, 
how how uh, do you know if the club is like actively pursuing english players like are they looking at our our academy like are they is this a problem for them like do they see this as a problem um and what like do you know any information on how they're looking to to remedy if remedy motherfucker remedy this issue <laughs> joe yeah. you gotta excuse me like i sometimes at five o'clock on a saturday i can't speak just have okay. um <laughs> I mean, I think the, the, you know, the links to players like Jamie Vardy and Callum Wilson kind of suggest that there is a, a little bit of, a, of an English flavour um, to some of these signings. You know, I think if they, let's say, if, if they start to look towards the academy, um, they might be in trouble because, you know, they've, they've got such a, a bad reputation with players in the academy now that, for me, it would be difficult to then all of a sudden just start saying, yep, yeah, don't worry now, you know, 10 of you are in the first team squad, you're all going to start playing. Um, I don't think they have that, that kind of level of, of trust or that level of, of uh, credit really built up the players to, to suggest that. So, no, I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting summer um, for, for that sort of homegrown quota. Obviously, people have no idea how this whole Brexit thing is gonna is gonna sort of influence the. Oh, that's right. So, you know, there's there's lots of kind of unknowns on the horizon. But you know, if Chelsea were sensible, yes, they could use the academy. But I think, as we've seen with players already starting to leave, that you know that um, that trust in the club just isn't there. So, if, you know, it's it's going to be a tricky situation to to try and rectify for them. Um, you know, I don't know how necessarily they're going to handle it, but if the if the answer is to buy players of Callum Wilson's ability, then you know I do think that we're going to be a bit in a bit of trouble. Oh my god! So I mean, we have our loan army. Uh, I mean, we 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 have shit. I mean, is there anybody in the loan army that can that can help us? I mean, we have Olena at Torino. He could play right back, but yep. you have. You have Cesar. You have Reese James, who's dominating the championship, but we have Cesar. Um, Mason Mounts, Baba, Zuma, I mean, Tammy Abraham, all these guys that are within the loan army. Um, is there any, like, is there any logical reason why these guys can't make up the bottom of the squad? Other, or is the answer is they're just not good enough? I think it's particularly for someone like Tammy, it's, it's pretty interesting because, you know, you get a lot of people saying just flat out that he's, he's not good enough because of, you know, his, the lungs felt that he had at Swansea. But, you know, often the, the context of, of teams and how people analyse players just, just goes missing. People just look at, a, you know, a Wikipedia and just see his goal scored and games played, etc., and just say he's not good enough. But, you know, someone like him, I mean, I would much rather have him in the team now than Giroud, than, than Morata, you know, just by the virtue that he, you know, he, he will score the, the chances, the simple chances that Chelsea create. And, you know, people people make out like scoring, you know, goals within sort of the penalty areas is an easy thing to do. It's not. Otherwise, you'd have, you know, you'd have hundreds of thousands of centre forwards that are just great at scoring goals. It's, it's a skill. It's a knack. And I think that that's something that he has, that, you know, that would definitely add something to this squad. And, you know, he's, he's not going to be you know, uh, this sort of world-class superstar player, but he's definitely good enough to bag a couple of goals for Chelsea. And, you know, I look at him and, and you know, you mentioned Kurt Zima, obviously good enough to be, a, be at least a rotational centre-back at Chelsea. 
Olerena's played left back and right back. I would have him back in the squad immediately. Uh, obviously, Reese James has been great. You've got Mason Mount, who's also been very good. I forgot it. I forgot also uh, uh, Tammy. Yeah, uh, Triori, Bertrand Triori yeah. for 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 Leon. He's sold though. <laughs> oh motherfucker! Yeah, that's exactly, right. Yeah. We sold him in the summer. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got uh, a couple of midfielders. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Marco Van Hinkle. Yeah, uh, another one. But, uh, who's it? Pass Pasalic. I mean, there's there are there are a few players that you, you would try. You know, you would try and you would see kind of how they fit into the team and how they fit into the system. But, you know, it's it's just sort of one of those things where I, I just don't think that this this whole loan army is really, I mean, beyond the sort of the, the kind of fiscal benefits, beyond the sort of business benefits, you know, we're not really seeing it helping out the, the first team a great deal. You know, we had, uh, what, Courtois come back from loan and he was a success, but he, you know, he was so successful that he wanted to leave. <laughs> Joe, you broke a rule. I'm sorry. I got to stop you, Joe. You broke a rule. You used his name. His name is the fucking snake. He's only (laughs) referred to as the snake. You can't call him by his name. The snake, bro. The the snake. Thank you. Jake Jake the snake left. (laughs) uh, Back to to Madrid. But, you know, it's not been a a hugely successful kind of thing for us. And... Yeah, I mean, the, the way that they build the squad, I mean, you know, you could bring a lot of these guys back in. I think that, that would definitely provide a lot of depth. But I don't think Chelsea's problem is, is depth. It's it's the quality in the first level. You know, that, mm. that for me is the issue. You know, and I think we've, we've gotten so used to saying, oh, yeah, he'll be a good depth player. But when you've got a squad full of depth players and you don't have any stars, and, you know, we've seen in this season that, you know, we, we lack star power, we lack firepower, we lack real first-team quality players, I feel. And I think that that's kind of where we've gone. We've gone awry, really. Agreed. 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 All right. So this is it. The final, the final batch of questions um, that you know the that was sent in via Twitter. So reports are starting to come out that um, there's like starting to be a little bit of a f- friction developing between Sari and Marina. Do you have any inside information that would uh, confirm or deny that? Uh, and you could say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you want to say, I don't want to comment, that's fine too. No, I mean, I, I don't mind sort of saying things that I know. But I mean, okay. I think there's, from, from information I've heard, it's it's been blown quite a bit out of proportion. Um I think okay. Sari has requested some players, and I think the club have, have maybe gone against them. I think that's primarily because they don't want to sign aging players um, to, to long-term deals. And, and equally, I, I just don't think that some of the maybe some of the targets that he's come with. Um, I think everyone's familiar with with Highsage, the, the fullback that he's he's kind of brought with him everywhere he goes. I just I don't think the club rate him that highly um, to, to sort of bring him in. So it's it's not really sort of friction. I think it's just a question of. Maybe Sari has come with, with some targets that he feels will help help the team, and the club have kind of said not not really because they, they don't really fit our philosophy, whatever that philosophy might be to, to them. Um, I, I, I'm not aware of any uh, any friction or any meetings or anything like that. I just think it's just a, a natural course of, of of business between a manager and a and a director. Okay, okay. So, well, you you said the word. So, is there? What's going on with the director of football situation, uh, with Luis Campo, anything along those lines? Like, could Sari paired up with a director of football, um, take us 
to another level, to, you know, be be beneficial to to Chelsea Football Club? I, I personally think that that would be ideal. I think that the club lack real footballing knowledge at the board level. Um, what I think has happened is that that position has just really been annexed under Marina Granitskaya's kind of day-to-day jobs. Um, and her and this this Scott McLachlan guy that I was talking about earlier are kind of running the sort of recruitment side, which that kind of worries me a bit. So I've kind of made my feelings on this this McLachlan guy fairly well known. Um, a lot of scouts and, 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 and agents and stuff that I talk to, you know, it's it's you know it's it's, it's uncommon that you have a, a universal opinion of someone that isn't that high in football. You know, not not one person said, oh, oh but he's excellent at X Y Z. He just seems to be a good salesman, and he's kind of spun himself into a very good job. Um, and you know, between him and Marina, you know, I think Marina is, you know, she obviously has a lot of power at the club and, and, and does a lot of running of the day-to-day stuff. So between the pair of them, you know, they're kind of doing that role. I feel the club could, would majorly benefit from having a more qualified opinion, a more qualified voice there. And for me, that, it doesn't even have to be one of these sort of superstar directors of football. Though that would be fantastic. But just having like even someone like Michael Balak or Didier Drogba or or an ex-player with a bit of opinion and a bit of clout, um, just to to give some context to some of the things that are doing would be fantastic. Because I think the, the the worst thing for me is when you can't explain decisions to just like normal football fans. That's when I that's to me when I think some of the the, the decisions that the club are making are going a bit awry. Because you know you, you can't keep getting the big decisions on transfers wrong and you can't keep not bringing players through and and, and you can't keep, you know, having this this huge, you know, kind of talent pipeline in the academy. And you know, the, the, the kind of reality is we should have we should have had a, a first team regular come through by luck by now, by sheer absolute luck. You know, look at Marcus Rashford, the amount of luck that got into him to getting his opportunity at Manchester United and getting yeah. into the team. It was insane, you know, loads of injuries and, and you know, the right manager and, and all the all this sort of stuff. Now, this was a guy who, you know, four months earlier was pocketed by Chelsea, by Fikio Tomori, actually, in, a, in an FA Youth Cup game. I, I wouldn't have even know Marcus Rashford was on the pitch. He's gone from that to being an England player, being a Manchester United player. We haven't even got someone in the team by absolute luck. And that, to me, is, is like, that, that's the sort of the mind-blowing thing, is that we can't even get someone in by accident, which other teams have done. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's a question of, of, of having someone with, with some football knowledge, with some football philosophy, with some kind of semblance of, of an idea of where we're heading. Because at the moment, I mean, you know, the the, the, the worst thing for me, and you know, the, the kind of the, the strategic side of football, that's kind of where my passion lies, that sort of area of, of, of development of clubs and, and the game. And as someone who, who has read around this, who's spoken to people about this, who's really inquisitive about this, the, the lack of direction of the club is... Is shocking, and for a club of Chelsea stature, the fact that there's there's no tangible strategy and, and you know no real real kind of direction that they're trying to go, it's it's just baffling to me. So you know, I hope that they can make some sort of changes because you know the pathway they're going at the moment. I mean, they've gone from you know Mourinho and and, and Conte to Sarri, who's like the polar opposite. And you know, what if they then go back to another manager? I mean, there's there's no consistency in managerial choices in the, the kinds of players that we buy, in the sort of opportunities that we give people. So, you know, and I think my sort of the closing thing on this is is that, that at Chelsea, the fact that the the men's first team is the worst run bit of the club is the most 
kind of damning thing you can say about it because the academy is run superbly. It's got you no know, next to no interaction with with the Chelsea board. The ladies' team, the women's team, are absolutely incredibly run. They run fantastically well. They've got next to no interaction with the Chelsea board. But the, the bit that the Chelsea board control is the worst run bit of the club, and that to me is is, is probably the most uh, you know the sort of most crazy and, and and the most insane thing about it all. Oh my god! So you have capable people within your ecosystem, within your network, within yeah. your own in your own house, but yet. You, oh my God! This is fucking. I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea could could do wonders if if they brought, I don't know, let's say Neil Barfin, so who the guy who runs the uh, who runs the Chelsea Academy. You know, if if they brought him in as a as a director of football, that for me immediately would be fantastic. Even even I look at someone like Emma Hayes, she's the manager of the women's team. She's incredible. I, I don't know if you if you've ever heard her punditry. No. She's one of the most knowledgeable people about football I've, I've ever heard talk about football. Why Emma can't they put someone like her and, and put her on the board and say, okay, you know, Emma, like, sort it out. Like, she she really understands football, her and Neil Barth. You've got people in the club who could do the role, but, you know, they're they're terrified to kind of do anything like that. No, they don't. I mean, here's, a, here's my opinion with the director of football and mainly Marina. Like, first, Marina, does she get... In your opinion, does she get way too much shit, not enough shit, or it's somewhere in the middle? Like, I, I I find it hard to believe that Marina is here with her laptop up and she has football manager on one laptop and just, you know, a, a videotape of just players like YouTube going like all day long. And she's a scouted. I know for a fact she's a high profile executive. That's not happening. So it's people that are bringing her numbers ones and zeros for her to make a decision because she's the ultimate decision maker like it's almost hard to like place blame on her i can understand her her negotiating this that or the other but fuck i mean if you bring her uh, a list that includes i don't know Eden Hazard, Mbappe, uh, Messi, Neymar, and Ronaldo, and Marina negotiate for one of these guys, and we're good. I mean, we're gonna be good. But if you bring her shit, negotiate the best out of shit. Like, like, what do you? I mean, that's not her fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of yeah. understand where I'm getting at. Like, so yeah. is it? Is it? Like, does she deserve the, all the criticism? I mean, she's the leader, so ultimately, she does deserve the criticism. Aside from Roman, Rome. I don't even, when I see these reports that Roman's got a guy and Roman, I don't believe any of that shit. I think Roman's on his yacht somewhere. He gets, he has his advisors, people are sending him numbers and he just, he's from afar. He's like, a, you know, he's like a, the Grand Kai in Dragon Ball. One of these guys, he's like, you know, watching from afar, you know, he, Roman Abramovich is uh, the Supreme Kai on his own planet doing his own thing so like marie like what do you think about marina does she get everything that she deserves or she doesn't she deserves less i think she i think she willingly takes the brunt of the frustrations like she knows that that's part of her job yeah um, which is what a leader should do but that's yeah. what a leader does i think you know when, when people start talking about, you know, Marina signing players, etc. I mean, you're you're exactly right. She's she's not sitting there with a 
you know, Statmation HD compilations of various players on YouTube and, you know, she hasn't got her match attack stats and all this stuff, Squawker and who's, she's not sitting there looking at players. Um, you know, she's taking recommendations from agents, she's taking recommendations from the scouting department and then she will obviously make a, a decision, she thinks, in terms of probably on the business side of things, like who to buy from a list of players. Now, I don't think that the, let's say, the input data, so that the, the you know, the inputs into her decision-making are fantastic. Some of the names that I hear coming out of the, the, the kind of club from, from scouts and stuff and obviously agents who are, who are linked to, to players, you know, are not necessarily always, you know, they're a little bit head-scratching some of the guys. So I think some of the, some of the, the inputs that she get are not the best. And this is where it kind of comes back to having that director of football, someone who can provide a bit more of a qualified opinion on some of the names that she sees. I think that the, the areas that she does let herself down in, and this is more from, from agents that I've heard, is that she does, she does listen to player recommendations from agents, maybe a little bit too willingly. Um, you know, she kind of takes their opinions maybe too seriously. You know, they're, all, all they're trying to do is sell a player, you know, and they're not trying to... Yeah. To, 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 to kind of you know give you the, the golden ticket to a player. I mean, you look at you know guys like Matt Miaska, for example. You know, I don't think he was ever really going to be a Chelsea standard player. Um, you know, he was sold as the, the keys to the American market and yada yada yada, etc. Um, didn't really pan out for him. But there's there's quite a few examples like that. So you know, I think that that's the first aspect. And the second aspect, I think sometimes when she negotiates, she negotiates from I, I think in some cases too too hard. And, and too fast out of whack for reality now. You know, for example, we there were reports that we value Tammy Abraham at fifty million pounds. You know, that, that's what it would take for someone to buy him. Now we then came out the same day that we would only pay up to fifty million pounds for, for Callum Wilson. So we have a fifty million pound player that we rate, but we want to go and spend fifty million pounds on a guy that we have to buy instead of just getting back the fifty million pound player that we own. So this yeah. this kind of way that we value players. I remember we sold Oscar for a ton of money. Sometimes you know we, we rejected a silly bid for William in the summer. You know we we is that true? Is that true? Like definitively, definitively, right here, right now, is the reports for William true? Like, like can we get this fucking guy off of our roster? Uh, there's there's definitely interest. Um, oh I think though, from what I was told, there's a little bit of agent stuff going with him at the moment. Um, there were definitely there were definitely bids him in the summer, um, but uh, at the moment I'm not I'm not 100 sure that it's all completely accurate. I'm sure that there has been I'm sure that there are discussions, um, but I'm not sure if everything in the papers is is all that it seems. Oh. But uh, yeah, yeah, we, we we take ages, you know, negotiating with players. You look at the the Alexandro, you know, one for example, we bid, you know. We, we ended up bidding what Juventus wanted, but we ended up bidding, you know, seven weeks too late. We ended up, uh, John Stones was another good example. He sold for what, nearly 50 million pounds. Our opening bid was 20 million pounds. I mean, we're, we're so far away in the valuations of players that we want to buy that by the time we, we get up to them, you know, you've already pissed off your kind of counterpart in the negotiation to the point that they just can't be asked or you've left them too little time to use the money, which was the case with, with Alexandro. So, and Lukaku you know, think, was the same shit too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so with the negotiations, I think that's, you know, if you're going to point anything, that's 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 where the, the thing goes in. You know, many people would count that with, yet, yeah, but she, she does fantastically well in bringing in commercial revenue. So obviously the, the Nike deal and other deals that she's, she's kind of brokered have been huge. So 
she, she, she strikes me as someone who I think if you left her to do the business side of things, she'd be pretty phenomenal. You know, her ability to, to extract the maximum amount of players that we sell, the maximum, uh, getting in the maximum sort of contracts and commercial stuff, she's fantastic at. But doing that plus the football side of things, I think that's where kind of the, the sort of the, the you know, the, the conflict starts arising in just how good she is at, at that particular role. Um, you know, it also comes to say that she's not the only one who makes decisions. There are obviously other people who make decisions on who we buy, etc. It's quite a complicated structure at Chelsea. She's not just the only person who says yes or no. Um, but, you know, it's a question, I think, if, you know, we, we don't really have, I think on the football side of things, we're, we're let down by the lack of knowledge and ability that we have, which we definitely have on the business side of things. You know, we have a, a fantastic business structure, um, but it's not mirrored on the footballing side of things. And, you know, the club have maybe got their priorities in the wrong way because I would much rather have the footballing side have the better people on than the business side being not so fantastic. Um, but, you know, the reality is that that's how the club's set up. Because what happens on the pitch is uh, what is supposed to lead uh, to what happens off the pitch. Exactly, you have a yep. great product, and that brings the money, not you know, not the other way around. Joe, that's all the questions that I got. Shout out to um, the you know everybody that sent in the questions. It was twenty one questions. You guys saved my ass. I really believe that I was gonna be, I was gonna be left foolish, you know, when I put out that video. But Joe, you're a man of the people. People want to hear your opinions. So uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Um, Joe, I got nothing else. This is uh, at the end of, you know, at the end of all of this, I've, it, it's, I, I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start, where to begin, how to feel about what's the ins and outs of this club. You know what, you know what it is? Is it since you're? I know you're in the know. I know that you know way more. Um, you know about what's going on t in this club than I can gain from just reading articles. But it's like I feel like I was let into the sausage factory, and now I know exactly what's going into the sausage, and I'm like kind of disgusted. Like, like I I think I was just better off just you know sitting at the table with my pasta with my marinara sauce and I get a sausage there I cut you know and I just enjoy it that way but now that I know what goes into making the sausage like I'm like Ugh. like I don't I don't know I don't know I I don't know I mean it's it's not all doom and gloom I mean it's it's just really I think that the potential is is there to be so much better than what we are. You know, we've, we've, we've gone from being a team that regularly challenged for the league and, you know, was like quarterfinals of the Champions League or better to a team that, that we can't even really seem to, to compete in two competitions in the same season. You know, we won the title under Conte playing once a week. As soon as we moved to being back in the Champions League again, it all falls to pieces. This season, we're struggling a bit with, with, with playing on two fronts. Yes, we're fourth at the moment. Hopefully we can hold on to that spot. But I just feel that the club needs to start making better decisions, you know, it's it's easy to get one decision wrong and then recover from it, but the amount of things we've got wrong in the past few seasons to me seems a little bit like an endemic, uh, like a sort of a pandemic. Um, and I, I just hope that sort of going forward, um, that this kind of this sort of pathway that we're on of, of these sort of slightly peculiar decisions in transfer markets and, and certain things that we're doing um, can can get rectified because you know the, the potential is there. As I said, if you start utilising the academy. You start bringing in better quality players, um, start getting back into being a, a top two, top three domestic team every year without question. 
things will improve. But you know, the club the club has to start making the right decisions because you know an, another season of not being in the Champions League could really be problematic for the club. You know, Tottenham have, have ju- are going to move into their own stadium, which is going to have sixty odd thousand people in it. So that's them getting a lot more money. Liverpool have got a bigger stadium than us. United obviously have more money than anyone else in the world. Arsenal have a ton of money. City have a ton of money. So, you know, we, we don't have that advantage of just having the blank checkbook anymore. We need to be smarter. And that's where I, I hope and that's where I really, really do hope that the clubs start seeing that they can't just, you know, throw money at the problem. They need to start being intelligent because any advantage that we had when Abramovich first came to the club has been well eroded by, by City and, and everyone else now. It's, it's level pegging. So it really is just about how well you are run as a club. And, you know, looking at Liverpool, how, how well they're doing on their transfers at the moment. City, obviously, are doing very well in terms of transfers. Spurs, you know, I mean, the fact they're so competitive under Pochettino is, is incredible considering that they don't spend any money, but they have a great squad. Um, you know, they're obviously on the right trajectory going into the new stadium. Um, you know, we need to get that feeling back at the club where we're back on the positive trajectory because I feel at the moment we're kind of flat, not flatlining, but we're kind of definitely plateauing. Um, we're maybe trending slightly downwards in terms of the trajectory. So, you know, we need to kind of rediscover that. Um, and, you know, it's definitely, definitely possible, but it's going to take a lot of work from the club to start making better decisions because, again, you know, we can't keep making mistakes, expensive mistakes like Morata and Bakayoko and, and other players and wasting hundreds of millions of pounds on players that will never play for Chelsea again. Um, because, you know, all, all that's going to happen is we're going to become this yo-yo team that occasionally competes for a title when we don't have any European football and then the following season struggles to play you know, two games a week. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of positive. I just, I just hope that the club can start seeing some of the issues that they have, start resolving them, and, and start making smarter decisions because we have the people internally in the club to do it. I just think that they need to realise that they, uh, they have, the, they have the people with the ability to, to help out. Um, it's just a question of trying to put some of this into practice now. Hopefully, Joe. Hopefully. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up uh, with the interview. Joe Tweedy, this has been the transfer, uh, the transfer, you know, the transfer uh, podcast. So that's the end of the interview, everyone. So there we have it, everybody. There we have it. That was the interview with Joe Tweedy. Once again, thank you to Joe Tweedy uh, for his time. Um, I actually talked to Joe for three hours and change, um, because we did a post-match review for the Newcastle game, um, which I'm going to be releasing that tomorrow, January 14th. I'm going to be releasing that tomorrow. I wanted to get this one out first because it has, um, information that things could change. Things could change immediately. Um, now I'm going to address something. At the towards the end of the podcast, I and even after I had to, well, Joe and I were talking. Um, my vibe, the energy started changing. Um, the more information I found, I was getting more and more. I felt, at least, I felt negative on the information that and, and the conversation Joe and I was getting. Reason being, and I touched on it. I, I, I sort of kind of like we all see what's going on with the club and it's definitely Joe said it our trajectory is pointing down but once you hear from somebody that you know 
knows what the hell is going on inside those build inside those doors um, within the building. And they are telling you all that they can tell you publicly. It really man, it, it, it really brought me down. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, to the point where I didn't even want to work on editing the podcast right after, because we finished late last night. Um, we finished late last night and, and I didn't want to, I wanted to step away from the information because it, it hurt. Like it hurt in the sense that like I, I want this club to succeed so bad. I'm a fan. I'm a supporter. And what that means is when Chelsea does good, I feel like I did good. Um, you know, when good things happen for Chelsea, it, it, it makes me happy. And in, in I it sounds crazy. And I know and, and I know, like, don't think that I'm like running around like every time we lose, like punching holes in the walls. It's not like that. But it's like, you know, you're a fan, you're a supporter. You, you want good things to happen for whatever you're supporting because it makes you feel good. Like that's, that's, that's part of it. That's, that's what it's called being a fan. At least I believe, you know, I want good things to happen to Eden Hazard. I'm a fan of Eden Hazard. I'm a fan of N'Golo Conte. I'm in fa I'm a fan of these people. And, and, you know, as a fan, you want, you, you, you kind of, you know, hit your, hit your horse on their, or, you know, you hitch your wagon onto them. They're, they're the horses and where they go, you go. And, you, you know, you feel good. Like, so finding out the, you know, the talking to Joe and it, it, it's, it's like, dude, man, it's hurtful, dude. Like, it's really hurtful that you have no control over what's going on within the building and the people that do like like I shouldn't have to question anybody. They're the professionals. You should see like like I shouldn't have to question what they're doing and their motivations behind it. Like I, I shouldn't have to do that. I'm just a guy. I don't know anything. And if logic and observation from afar gets me to question a decision, then I don't know. I feel like something's up there. Like, again, I don't have a problem with with you take a chance, you know, the, I, I said it on the podcast, you take a chance on Ross Barkley. There's a low risk. Uh, it costs nothing to take a chance on Ross Barkley. He's $15 million. He's English. If he comes back from injury, you have a hell of a player. I mean, this is their decision going in at the time. We have hindsight now, but you take a flyer on Ross Barkley. If he works out great, we have an English player that we could turn over for a profit. Um, and during that time, while he's building up his profit, while he's building up uh, his profile for our team, we get a hell of a player and we got it on the cheap. That's a great deal. And, you know, fast forward however many years, if it doesn't work out, it didn't work out. It's it's one of those things. You can't win them all. Same thing with, with Giroud. Giroud was a last year, came in at the right time, helped us out and, 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 and you know, won some games for us with his goals but he cost us nothing to do that but when you have making when you're making decisions like 40 million dollar decisions on Danny Drinkwater when you're paying 75 million dollars potentially 75 million dollars for guys like Morata and 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 there's questions like 
I don't know, man. Like it's not working out, and you see these, you see the same mistakes being made over and over again. That's hurtful. So that's why my vibe and and like my mood, like my energies changed all gradually over the podcast. So I, I just had to address that. I feel like because you know I I definitely felt my energy changing. Um. But that's it. So thank you again to Joe Tweedy and special shout out. I'm going to go through each and every single name of every single person that sent in a question um, that saved my ass, really. So here we go. We got Lammy. I don't even have to say the at Lammy. You know who you are. Know who you are. Sending me DMs early this morning. Hey, when's the podcast coming out? When's the podcast coming out? Here it is homie here it is motherfucker so at f lammy underscore lammy um thank you at nick lenartson thank you at blood pena thank you at copa picho at copa picho whatever i can't say your name i'm sorry you know thank you again uh joe santo one two eight 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 three nine thank you Cho underscore Juan one. Thank you, my man. Just wise. What's up, Alexis? Thank you for your question. Mo Fazali eight, bro. Thank you. I appreciate you. Mind lows. Oh, eight. Thank you so much for your question. Uh, CFC couch critic. Woo. Thank you for your question, my man. Orly Sabi Yama V. I can't, bro. These handles. I'm sorry. If I'm killing it, I'm sorry. Nothing personal. Thank you for your question. Um, damn. Thinking about it, I didn't specifically ask your question. His question was, where and what's going on with Masunda? I didn't ask him. I'm gonna, you know what? This question, I'm gonna save it for Nini. Let me, let me. Let me write that down. I mean, I'm going to make sure to get uh, your questions answered by Nini because I didn't specifically ask Joe. Um, Chelsea FC Unite 1. Thank you. Golf Master G-O-L-F-M-A-S-T-3-R. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Your question actually was the one that um, specifically that kicked it off about the director of football. Thank you specifically for your question. Jabadi, um, thank you for your question. Uh, even though I didn't specifically ask the second part of your, of your, uh, of your question to Joe. Um, thank you though. Thank you for it. You want to hit him up to get it answered by all means. Um, and then finally, nope, no, I got more questions. Cortez, 17a thank you for your question razzle 72332816 thank you for your question jared andre what's up my homie what's up what's up what's up my man my brother thank you for your question jared andre three make sure you guys follow him on twitter he's the homie he's actually a professional american football player in france um, he's been on the podcast, a friend of the show. Thank you, my man, for your question. Um, you had a bunch of questions actually you sent in. I had to clean them up. I know you sent in a bunch of questions, but either way, thank you for your questions. At X Waldo, my man, I believe in you. I know big plans. 
whatever you need i got you thank you for your question and finally 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 m o h a m e d t r a i f mohammed tarif i think that's how you say your name thank you for your questions and that's it that's all the 21 questions that i got 50 cent in the building um thank you guys you saved my ass you made me not feel like an asshole <laughs> so that's the end of the podcast the first of three transfer shows the next one's going to be with nini i'm uh, penciled in to record that with him on tuesday um that will probably be released on wednesday and then finally it's with simon phillips so thank you guys again for your questions and i'll catch you guys soon um Make sure you listen to the post-match review that I did with Joe on the Newcastle game. That's going to be out tomorrow. Okay, guys, thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. Um, I love you. Whatever you guys want to do, whatever you guys, your dreams are, your aspirations are, I got you. I'm your number one fan. I'm your biggest supporter. And whatever you guys need, you know, just reach out to me. Send me a DM and I got your back. I love you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. Your boy's out. Talk to you guys again soon. Come on. I'm kind of like a big deal. It's unbelievable. You see my warning gives you big chills. The flow running on big hills. My life after death big and get to see how this feels. Third time's a charm, baby. After two classics, another stripe up on my arm, baby. It's a blessing to blow a hundred thou in a recession with no second guessing. Ha ha, we ballin'. Drop tops with Lauren. Champagne with boring. We up is the gang and I'm all in. To the powder and the flame, I have fallen. Get money, blow money is my calling. Yeah. Watch a nigga burn through it. Life's a maze, you twist and you turn through it. The dryest of droughts maneuver and I earn through it. I'm set straight like a perm do it. Push. They whispering about us. I know you haters doubt us. How you count our money? We ain't even finished counting. Pardon me, I must say, I'm kinda like a big Ayo, deal. Ayo, I'm sitting on top of that. It's more than a feeling, ain't it? I be killing, damn it. I'm illin', I'm illin'. Hey, 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 meet Mr. Popular. Go get your binoculars to see Penthouse 3, where a nigga be spitting fire on a PJ. In my PJs, fire marshal said I took it to the max like TJ. Yeah, I ain't peep, I said marshals, we play. I guess I'm like the black marshal, Meet J. Meet yay, alligator souffle. Get it made, special ed, get here from a girl, special ed. You know the pretty ones in that dumb class. But she got that dumb ass. Hit high school and get pregnant, dumb fast. What happened, Tisha? Your boyfriend come fast. Turn around, give me pound like we folks. Hell no, I went raw, dog, three strokes. They whispering about us. I know you haters doubt us. How you count our money? We ain't even finished counting. Pardon me, I must say, I'm kinda like a big deal. Lights. Cameras action, the chain itself's a damn distraction. Reclaim the belt, the glory I bask in. I'm be hopping the ring, niggas you cash in. It's like stopping the train, nigga think he's stopping my reign. Talk slick while dropping my name, I'm putting y'all to shame. Diamonds in the little hand, 50% splits, I X out the middle man. A far cry from a stash in the rental van. I'm the reason the hood need a dental plan. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the C. 
G4S with the rims protruding The roof and moose like a magic show Got me looking to the heavens like a javelin throw Y'all twiddle your thumbs like the average Joe But just as you reap, so shall you sow They whispering about us, I know you haters doubt us How you count our money, we ain't even finished counting Pardon me, I must say, I'm counting like a big deal 